Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. <clears throat> All right, welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. This is episode 36. I am Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. Before we get started, I just want to tell you, as I did last episode, that if you love yourself some audiobooks, go check out audiblepodcast.com slash graveplotpodcast. Uh, they're going to go ahead and give you a free book for your efforts. Uh, and they're going to give us some money too for it too. <laughs> so it, it, it's a win-win situation for everyone. For everybody. Uh, yeah. So, um, how's it going? Going pretty well. It's all right. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so this is uh, take two of yet another episode. Yeah, we're uh, we've been incredibly unprofessional this month. <laughs> we look like a bunch of fucking hacks. Yeah, uh, we're gonna stop trying new things. <laughs> My laptop is a piece of shit, but apparently it's still better than any other option. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you got yourself a Chromebook. Yeah. And you, you found something online to record things to a sound, or sorry, a cloud server. Yeah. I think the problem is just that the file was just way too big. It could have been just crashed Chrome. That, that's kind of what my thoughts were yeah, after the fact. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's what it was, was that the file was just way too fucking big. Yeah. But, uh, you know, since day one, we've always used... Well, we used my computer for a while, and then it started, like, having problems. And yeah, then, it, just, it, like, would take bits out. Yeah. And it would just be, like, silence. Yeah, and it would do that weird thing with the audio, too. Like, if you if you want to hear what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about, go listen to uh, episode the Stephen King episode. Yeah. Um, and you, you hear exactly what I'm talking we about. We turned into robots. Right. Um, anyway, uh... Yes, but we've always used, since then, we've used your old laptop, which is a piece of shit. Yeah, it's literally the monitor is falling off. Right. And we use Audacity to record. It's never given us problems. Yeah. But ever since, like, we've tried two different new things, and they've both blown up in our fucking faces, so this is... Back to the beast. Yeah, we're just doing it old school until something comes through that and can rely the, on. The, the biggest problem with doing it on my computer is that my computer has a fan that sounds like a goddamn jet engine. Yeah, you guys may have heard it in the background. Yeah, so what we're doing now is we're putting that computer away from us, and I'm controlling it remotely from my Chromebook. <laughs> yeah, we've got probably like a 15-foot patch cord uh, going from our uh, mixer to the computer. Yeah. And it's far away from us. So. Um, yeah, we've all downgraded as far as, or not all, both of us, we, as a team, have downgraded, like, as far as the things we're using. I mean, you're using, it seems to be a quieter laptop, and you were using a, a tablet for a while. Yeah. Um, and now I'm using a tablet. But that was because I didn't want to do anything with my laptop and have it then fuck up Audacity. Right. So, but now that I have my Chromebook, I can look stuff up on there easier than on my tablet. Right. Um, anyway, so we recorded... This episode brought to you by Chromebook. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> We've said it like 14 times already. Uh, true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were originally recorded this on, was Friday the... It was Thursday. Was it Thursday? Yeah, it was. Okay, it was Thursday the... 6th? 6th. 6th, yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh... 
Yeah, so now this is, we're actually recording this on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, you mothers. You motherfuckers. <laughs> no, that would be Father's Day. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so did you do anything today? No, not no. a goddamn thing. All right. <laughs> did you call your mom? I did, but she didn't answer. Well, goddamn. Yeah. Yeah, I had quite the weekend. Um, I, you know, we, uh, I came home from work on Friday, and, like, I immediately had to, because I somehow got, I, I, I volunteered slash was volunteered <laughs> um, to make all the food for Mother's Day brunch, and so came home from work, went to the store, did all the shopping by myself, then uh, came home just crashed out. <clears throat> like, my wife and I both fell asleep on the couch until, like, 3 <laughs> My wife! <laughs> and I both fell asleep on the couch until, like, 3 in the morning. And then we went to bed. Then I woke up at 7 because we had to go to the central Washington, which is about three hours away from where we are, um, for Mother's Day with her family over there. Um, and then we came... I, I had to drive back. Uh, and we got home at like 10, fell asleep on the couch again, woke up at, on, woke up on the couch again at 3 in the morning, went to bed, and then woke up this morning at 8, and, I mean, you can see what a disaster my kitchen is. Yeah. I, I was working solidly from 8 until about 10.30, and then we went out the door, so it's been quite a And now we're doing this, so. Yeah, well, I, uh. I appeared on the Video Game Break podcast. Yeah, you did. That uh, that will be up by the time you hear this, so if you want to go check that out, it's at videogamebreak.net. Mm-hmm. I was not there. No, you were not. There was a lot of poop jokes. I guess I'll have to hear it. <laughs> um, anyway, so anything new with you? Uh, no, not really. Um... Mixtape Massacre was fully funded. Yeah, that's fucking bitching. Yeah. And they met one of their stretch goals. Yeah, the uh, Dr. Ravenous yeah. will appear in the game. Totally kick-ass. They, they were only about $600 away from their second one, too, which would have been... Oh, I think, really? Yeah, I think it was, like, more uh, Killer Scenes cards. Mm. I don't see any reason why. I mean, they, they have their date for um, releasing, like, actually sending out the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, October this year. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why not why between then and now or now and then they can't set up another. Like they talked about doing extensions too, or expansions. Oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's exciting. Can't wait till October for sure. Um, oh, and so this is May. Yes. Uh, as we mentioned several times before, um, and in uh, the last episode. Uh, that May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. Um, as I've mentioned before, um, a few months ago, uh, actually, the day you're hearing this, the 13th, uh, will be actually three months to the day um, that my brother passed away from complications with cystic fibrosis. Um, he was my, my little brother. Um, we're... Mm, about... 15 months apart, I think, so just a little over a year, um, and uh, it was, you know, CF was part of my life, I mean, not just his life, but a part of my life, part of my whole family's life, part of everybody that was close to him, part of their lives, um, and so it's become kind of a mission, uh, and even more so since he passed, 
to uh, really ra raise awareness um, and uh, you know, gather donations and funding for research um, to help find a cure for CF. Um, and, uh, you know, the month's ha almost half over by the time you're hearing this. So uh, that's unfortunate that we don't have more time to you know, spread the word. But um, we, uh, on, if you go to our webpage at um, greatplotpodcast.com, you'll see on the right that there is actually a link to the CF Foundation. Um, more specifically, it's to a tribute page for my brother, um, just because that's a little closer to home for us rather than just the generic CF page or CFF page. Um, and uh, there you can uh, you can give donations to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, any amount matters. Uh, yeah, there, there's no minimum. Yeah, um, it, whether it's five dollars or five hundred, it it really every every cent counts, and uh, it's all important to um, those that I mean, not only the families, but obviously the patients themselves. I mean, um, you know, people that that live CF every single day. Um, it's, it means the world to them. And I mean, speaking personally for me, and I think I can say it's the same for Taylor, it means a lot to us. Um, and we would consider it a personal favor for you to give uh, whatever you can to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, their website is cfo.org. If you'd rather just go there and donate and maybe just check out what they're about. Um, I know a lot of uh, foundations and charities, are, they get a lot of scrutiny for not giving a very fair percentage of their uh, donations to actual funding for the cause, you know, for you know, research and things of that nature. Um, but this <coughs> Autism speaks. <coughs> <laughs> um, but the CF Foundation actually is pretty regarded for giving a high, very high percentage um, of all of their donations directly to research and funding, um, you know, uh, projects and you know, re research and grants and every everything that leads to finding a cure for this just really shitty disease. Um, also on our website, uh, well, in our store, we're going to be having CF Month T-shirts. Yeah, um, in case you don't feel like just just donating and you, you you know are a selfish asshole and you want to get something out of it for yourself you can you can go to our store and uh, you can buy one of these shirts they're they're not just for May they're coming out you know for cystic fibrosis awareness month but they're going to be around indefinitely but they are special edition cystic fibrosis awareness t-shirts yeah um, yeah some you know some artwork by yours truly on the front and some artwork by my my brother on the back um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm restating a lot of things that we did in the first recording, yeah. so I feel like I'm just reiterating myself. Uh, but uh, my brother, he was quite the artist. Um, most of his art involved superheroes and comic book art. But um, when we, uh, when he passed, and we were um, down in California at his uh, at his house, well his house, <laughs> the place he was living, um, we were going through some of his old sketchbooks and actually found a handful of just like monster-related drawings, which was had a character for him, but 
um, when we came up with the, the concept of, of doing all of this this month. Um, getting some of that art on a t-shirt was, was important to me, so it, um, that's a very cool idea. Thank you. Um, so yeah, he, he just it, it, it's not super detailed. I mean, it's not super refined or finished, but it's like this, this zombie that he drew, um, and uh, I figured that would, that would be perfect for our shirt. So that's uh, that's what you're going to see on the back of this. And we don't we haven't put it in our store yet. We don't really know how much it's going to cost until we do that. Do we have an ETA for that? Uh, I could probably put it up today or radio tonight. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you may have already seen it in the store by now. Um, so I don't know specifically now how much it's going to cost, but we do get a small percentage of that total cost for us. Um, typically, we just put it into buying, you know, new cables for, for recording and shit like that. Um, but for these shirts specifically, every dime that comes to us is going straight to the CF Foundation as a donation. Um, yeah, I mean, usually that's between, like, what, four and six bucks? Yeah. Somewhere around there, depending on what the item is. Um, so, yeah, like Taylor said, if you, if you want want a T-shirt and show some support, I mean, you know, just, just wearing the T-shirt, that's raising awareness. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but also, you know, give a donation to, uh, to a cause then uh, that would be much appreciated. And uh, just, you know, if you go to a CF walk or you um, do really anything CF-related, we're going to rock that shirt because probably very few people, other people will be wearing that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have your own. You'll stand out. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, anything that you guys can do would be greatly appreciated. And, uh, we, we, we love you for it, so. Um, go ahead and check out our website. You can find that link to the CF Foundation, or you can go to our store and find the shirt there. So, check that. Let's kick CF's ass. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, or business then. Let's do it. All right. start off with this is kind of a bummer because as I'm, as I mentioned before I'm kind of getting more into video games just because I'm more in a position to afford them <laughs> right <laughs> um, and I uh, was really looking forward to this one um, you guys are probably familiar with the Silent Hill um, series uh, by K- Konami um, and you may have seen some advertisements in the last six months maybe Probably not that long, but uh, Silent Hills, which was um, something that uh, Hideo Kojima and um, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, I can never say his name right, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, <laughs> um, they were collaborating, <laughs> yep. got a roll of tongue, which I can't do unless I'm really concentrating, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying unless I'm really drunk. <laughs> So they were working on Silent Hills, which of course is a new um, entry into the Silent Hills saga. Um, Hence the name. Right. <laughs> um, and it was going to be starring, like the main character was Norman Reedus, 
of course, of Walking Dead fame and Boondocks. And it it looked like it was going to be fucking badass. They released a playable trailer, which was an odd concept. It was more like a a demo. They released it under the name PT for playable trailer. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I I didn't actually get around to playing it, which I hate or regret now, but um, from the description, it sounded like a game demo. Um, like I, Carlos from Video Game Break talked about it, and put it on a disc and put it on eBay or something. Right. I was actually well. Point of the story is that Silent Hills has now been canceled. Right. Um, and before that, shortly before that was announced and officially, I think it was just PlayStation Network, if I'm not mistaken, um, pulled it from the network, so you could no longer download it, and now the game is scrapped. Um, but to your point, uh, I was reading somewhere that, like somebody saying, if you have the playable trailer, do not, under any circumstances, delete it. Yeah. <laughs> because it will be gone. So, I guess, if you've downloaded it, it's still on your That's the impression console. I got, yeah. yeah. So that's at least good. But yeah, you're right. There's got to be somebody to figure out how to copy, or copy it and get it saved to a disc or, you know. Yeah, producer or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't play the fucking game. Um, as far as why the game has been canceled, uh, Konami released a statement that says, uh, Konami is committed to new Silent Hill titles. However, the embryonic Silent Hills project developed with Guillermo del Toro just float. <laughs> um, and featuring the likeness of Norman Reedus will not be continued. In terms of Kojima and del Toro being involved, Discussions on future Silent Hill products are currently underway, and please stay tuned for further announcements. <laughs> if they're still working with them, why'd they fucking cancel it? Yeah, that makes no sense. It's like, we're not going to do this one, or we're going to do another Silent Hill game with these two. Why? Why not just keep doing what you were doing? You know, since we first heard of this, uh, you know, well, this story specifically, um, I read something that sounds like uh, Kojima was actually fired, because basically he built this... Silent Hill, well, actually, Konami altogether. He, he was like the guy there. And so they, he built up this company with his with his ideas and his development and all this and that. And then they fucking cut him loose when they wanted to get his little piece of the pie. Um, so I don't know how willing he'll be to actually work with them still. So I, I, I feel I like they, me. yeah, I feel like that might be bullshit. I'm going to take their job and show it. Yeah. But, God damn it, why don't you at least get one more game out of it? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but, I mean, if it is true, then I hope that they get back in and, you know, start on something else. Yeah. Um, because it's fucking badass. Like, I saw <laughs> I saw a trailer of the playable trailer. Uh, okay. And it looked awesome. And I'm really upset. And especially <laughs> because Norman Reedus was going to be in it. That was like... Yeah, that's pretty cool. Ass. Um, so something we mentioned in the last episode, I think, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, NBC, or sorry. The, the 
the producers and you know, the people behind Constantine were going to NBC to kind of make their final plea, you know, their last push to try and save Constantine. Um, well, they did that, and it appears that it was all for now because NBC has officially canceled Constantine. Technically, they didn't cancel it; they just didn't pick it up for a second season. Sure, yeah. But uh, I mean, same end result. Yeah. I mean, still, you know, fuck you, NBC. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, that's a bummer. I was really looking forward to it, you know, another season because it it was really slow to start, but it really picked up towards the end of the season. Um, I think they probably sensed that they were starting to lose lose something and just kind of picked up the pace a little bit. Yeah. Made, it, made the show more exciting. Um, but we said before, it was like fans loved it, critics loved it, but it's like NBC, they couldn't sell advertising for it. They didn't put in the fucking best slot. Um, anyway, but. Uh, the good news is that I believe that NBC still has it streaming on their website and I think Hulu. Um, I haven't checked recently, but I think they're still up. It's still up there. Um, so that allows you to continue streaming it um, and, and and watching the show. And there's still a huge, 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 huge push to get it put on another network, network, specifically the CW. Mm. Because that's where all those other DC shows exist now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Arrow, Flash, Flash iZombie. Um, the only one that's really not on Fox, or, uh, CW is Gotham. It's on Fox. Mm. Um, and then plus they've got Legends of Tomorrow coming up, which is the Flash-Arrow crossover. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I feel like there's one of them I can't remember what it is. Um, so CW set the home for DC. Yeah, so they just start calling it DCW. <laughs> um, like the people that head up Constantine, got them pushing CW. You've got other stars. I mean, you got Matt Ryan, who obviously played Constantine. Um, got him pushing for CW to pick him up. You got Stephen Amell picking him, trying to push him to pick up, pick it up. He plays obviously Oliver Queen on Arrow. Um, he, said, he actually tweeted, CW, if you pick up Constantine, I'll guest star. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's just a huge push to get it picked up by another network. So, you know, we've heard, like, sci-fi, um, obviously CW, um, Fox, I think, was another one. Um, Personal channels. Right, but they... Initially. Yeah. Obviously, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, and William Shatner, he, I, he must be a fan of the show because he actually wants CW to pick it up too. <laughs> uh, I think it was like the showrunner um, saw the tweet that Shatner put out, yeah. and uh, he said, does that mean we can count on you for a guest spot? <laughs> um, That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> right? Uh, so there's still a huge energy for the show, and so I really hope it gets picked up. Yeah. Um, and if it's on CW, that'd be convenient for me because I can just, like, two straight nights just watch my, my shows. Right, you can watch your Vampire Diaries. Right. And your, uh, I don't know what else on CW. Yeah. I got nothing. I can watch my stories. It didn't CW used to be UPN. Yeah. But it was it was UPN and the WB when they kind of merged. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I remember when that first happened, like, I watched Supernatural. 
Actually, I think it was the only show I actually watched at the time. Dawson's Creek. Right, yeah. No, I actually watched that on TNT. Oh, okay. You. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've watched that show, like, all the way through, from first episode to last, like, three times. Because I was, did so much time being out of work, and there was nothing on in the middle of the afternoon, and they just, like, in, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, they play an episode of Dawson's Creek, and it was always, the, you know, it was played in sequence. Uh, so but if you want to continue to show your support for Constantine, hopefully get it picked up, show show these other networks that they're still interested. Uh, stream it as much as you can. Uh, you know, watch the episodes over and over and over and over. And then hashtag make your tweets and your Facebook posts and hashtag save Constantine. And tell these networks how much you love the show and want to see it back. So, uh, save constantly, guys. So, it appears that Kerry Fukunaga has found his Pennywise. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Kerry Fukunaga is the writer and director of the remake of Stephen King's It. <clears throat> And Pennywise will be played by an English actor by the name of Will Poulter. You may recognize him from Maze Runner or possibly We Are the Millers. If you do recognize him, you know that he is, what, 22 years old. Right. Just a wee lad. Dude can barely drink at a bar. Dude cannot rent a car at all. Nope. Well, I mean, he's from England, so maybe. Actually, I think drinking age over there is 18, isn't it? Well, I know they, just, they drive on the wrong side of the road. They do do that. So if he does rent a car, he's got <laughs> to make sure he drives on the right side of the road. Right. Uh, yeah, in case you're wondering, Tim Curry, when he played Pennywise, was 44. That's double. Just to give you some scope. Right. <laughs> did you happen to see someone uh, did a Photoshop of Poulter as Pennywise? I didn't. It doesn't look bad, but it just doesn't look right. I, th- I think you can make anybody look like Pol- uh, Poltergeist. Yeah. yeah, make anybody look like Poltergeist. Because the guy's name is Polter, and that's why. Yeah. yeah, but I think you can make anybody look like Pennywise. Uh, whether or not they can play Pennywise, that's a whole different right. story. I mean, this Tim Curry, he's just a creepy bastard. Like, he just has that thing about him. Right, I'll the Home Alone too. Yeah. It's fucking creepy in that. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, how about Legend, where he played fucking Satan? There you go. Perfect example. Um, so he just has that aura about him. You believe him as somebody evil. <laughs> you just look at him and you're just like, you're a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> you stay away from the kids. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't... I've only seen this guy in Weird, Weird the Millers, and he's a creepy, creepy fucker. He, he, he looks like a creep. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got that going for him. But he's so young. And I don't know that he has the chops for it. I haven't seen Maze Runner. I, I imagine that's probably more of a dramatic role. <laughs> so I would assume so, yeah. Um, I, just, I don't. I, I can't say that he can't do it because I don't know. But I'm skeptical. Yeah. Uh, they also considered Mark Rylance, who was a 55 year old Shakespearean actor who has played Hamlet. 
Oh, Hammond, 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 Hammond. I just saw a fucking vampire! <laughs> he also played Leonardo DiCaprio. Shit! <laughs> Acty! Play Acty! Um, she played Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> and Henry V. Rollins. No, Henry V. Richard. Nope. I'm just fucking I'm not that stupid. Uh, and he's also starring as the big fucking giant in the upcoming Spielberg adaptation of that book. Some big fucking, Some big fucking giant. <laughs> That's what it stands for, right? Right. I keep telling my wife that. She, she just doesn't believe me. <laughs> uh, they also consider Ben Mendelsohn, who is 46 years old. Uh, he was in The Dark Knight Rises and Exodus Gods and Kings, and he's also in the upcoming Star Wars Rogue One. Right. You know, you got these two seasoned actors... And you go up with the kid. You go that's with, been, with the toddler. Yeah, the guy that was in a movie with Jennifer Aniston. And Sudeikis. And Sudeikis. Uh, well, Poulter was apparently picked because Carrie Fuganaga wanted a younger actor, and Poulter gave an amazing audition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. Uh, filming is set to begin next month in New York. I was still confused by that. Yeah, I don't know if that's New York City. New York City! Get the rope. <laughs> I assume not, because it has to take place in Maine, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like part of the story. It's like Stephen King. That's a thing, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, the town of Derry is... It's a character in itself, practically. Yeah, is it? yeah basically, yeah. Um, because Derry is part of it. Pennywise, it. Yeah. It's part of him, sort of. In, in, in a way. So, yeah. You can't have this be in New York. <laughs> no, that, that you, would just not be right. What happens to Derry, you just can't do that to, you know, anywhere in New York. Just imagine fucking Pennywise, like, on the big screen in Times Square. Oh, fuck. That <laughs> <laughs> <be> terrifying. <laughs> um, beep, beep, Richie! <laughs> um... <laughs> fucking taxi driver. He didn't turns around. Beep beep, Richie. <laughs> the only issue got to pay, play Pennywise is fucking Brian from Lewis. <laughs> sure, he's like sixty, but sure. No, he's not. Come he's, on, he's younger than Tim Curry. Well, maybe, Tim maybe. Curry's seventy. Well, sure. <laughs> he's he's probably in his fifties. Okay. Uh, what's his face? Rylance. He's in his fifties. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Anyway, we'll uh, keep an eye on that. If filming's going to begin next month, I'm sure we're going to hear some more casting news soon. Yep. Who's Harry Anderson going to play? Or who's going to play Harry Anderson? <laughs> and will they do close-up magic? We all hope so. Even though that and um, Night Court was Harry Anderson's claim to fame, no cool shit magic in it. No, it's it really disappointing. Yeah. Um, Take uh, all those Mountain Dews. There's some cold in the fridge. Keep talking. Okay. Um, Leave that in. <laughs>
in relation to Stephen King, literally, uh, literally, um, Stephen King and his son Joe Hill, whose name you would probably recognize from Horns, um, which was the novel that the movie reviewed was based on. Holy shit, he looks exactly like his dad. Does he really? I've never seen him. Oh my god. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, anyway, so the two of them are teaming up. Father and son, working together. Uh, saving the world. No, they aren't doing that. Uh, they're reading a, uh, they've written a novella. So I guess they're not currently working together. They already did. Um, called In the Tall Grass. And that is being that is being adapted into a film. Now it's being written and directed by Vincenzo Natale, whose name you know from Cube or Splice. Oh, the Cube. Oh yeah. <laughs> Taylor, you want to watch Cube? Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk more about Cube later, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, that's right. I thought that was the last episode. Right, see, double recordings is really fucking. Good. I know. Um. Yeah, I just scrolled down to make sure it was this one. <laughs> uh, and he's written and directed some episodes of Animal, so he's got some clout behind him. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know him by name, but those projects, I mean, those are pretty highly regarded. I mean, I don't, I, I think Cube is stupid, <laughs> but Splice and Hannibal, I mean, those are both pretty hot shit, but... Um, yeah, so he's writing and directed, directing it, right? I assume probably Stephen King and Joe Hill are uh, advising in some capacity. Uh, the story is the story of a young man and his pregnant sister on a road trip who end up fighting for their lives in a field after they respond to a boy's cry for it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The description is just vague enough, and then like you couple it with the, the name in the tall grass kind of gives you a visual. Yeah. But you don't really know what it is yeah, exactly. that they're fighting for their life from. Yeah, you don't know if it's like just some fucking drunken hillbillies with pitchforks or something. Because right. it's Kansas. Um, it's not Maine? No. Kansas, actually. I looked that up. Actually, uh, on Audible, I almost bought um, in Tallgrass just to figure out what was going on with it. <laughs> I opted against it and got the stand, which is another 47 and a half hour book. And who's that read by? Joe from Wings? No, some guy I've never Lowell heard. from Wings? Yes, fucking Lowell from Wings. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Scarpacci? I wish. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but no, uh, some guy I've never even heard of, but he's got this really nasally voice. So I hear... Is it Mace? Huh? Is it Mace? Like Mace the Rapper? Yeah. No, it's not Mace. He had a really nasally voice. <laughs> but no, this guy, he sounds like he's like older, like maybe his mid to late 50s. And it sounds just really funny to hear him say the word fuck. <laughs> it sounds like a word that should be in his vocabulary. Sure. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's vague, like you said, and you don't really know, like I said, if it's some crazy hillbillies or if it's like something supernatural. Right, you know, monsters, yeah. like, like lost or something, or is it if, if it's like, like roadside, if it's just like a shooter. Yeah, and you know, knowing... Stephen King and Joe Hill. It could really go either way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this is really like really the best description I can get without spoiling it for myself, you know? Right. 
Um, well, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, this is a full-length movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would probably be interested in seeing that. Yeah, it sounds intriguing. I have to ask my dad. Maybe he's read it. Probably. He, read, he reads a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this novella was actually released in two parts originally in Esquire magazine. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, you still don't really think that's something that happens anymore. I mean, yeah. Fear of like, you know, art, art, not art, um, novelists releasing their work in newspapers and stuff. So, it seems like a kind of old tiny thing. Well, yeah, now they look on their blog. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, um, we'll keep you updated with that. And let you know if we hear more. CW. Uh, if you're a child of the '80s, like Tony and I are, then you probably remember. Hey, '80s. Hey. <laughs> uh, you probably remember Tales from the Dark Side. I do remember Tales from the Dark Side. If you don't remember Tales from the Dark Side, the movie is now on Netflix. Is it really? Yeah, I just saw it this morning. Sweet. I didn't watch it, but I, like I was opened up my Netflix and it was the first thing is you got suggestions for Taylor. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Kick ass. Totally watching that. Uh, <laughs> uh, CW was planning a reboot of the 1980s TV series written by Joe Hill. There's that name again. Yeah. Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orchi, both of whom are writers on Sleepy Hollow. Uh, CW has instead... Producers. Producers, what is that? CW has instead decided to pass on the show because they were unsure <laughs> because they were unsure that the anthology format would work and there was no showrunner. Two things, you, well, one thing that you typically need. I can I can agree with the anthology thing. It's like even something like a juggernaut, like Tales from the Crypt. I don't know that that would work nowadays because. I mean, you gotta get you gotta get new actors every week, and you know actors want to be paid so much nowadays. I'm trying to think of like a successful show that has worked that way. Because um, I mean, like nowadays when you hear anthology, you think more like uh, American Horror Story, which is just a different sh- story every season, right? Not every episode. Um, I think maybe like Fear itself. that used to be I think it was on Fearnet. Yeah. Um, there's a. I mean, there's Darknet. Yeah, that was Netflix exclusive, though. Was it? I thought it was like a Canadian show. No, I think I think it was just for Netflix. Oh, I could be wrong. But maybe it is. I don't know. Um, and those stories did tie together, though. Yeah. And you know, I mean, they've, in the past they've they've revamped, um, they've rebooted, you know, Twilight Zone multiple times, Outer Limits multiple times. Sure. And it seemed like both of those times that those were both rebooted, um, seemed like they worked fairly well. I remember watching the Outer Limits all the time when I was a kid, mm-hmm. like the newer ones. Um, but like I said, you've got the tendency will be to get these, you know, fairly known B-level actors at least, and the the amounts or the cost of that will just continue to build up. Every week, month, or year, 
because uh, actors are just asking for more and more in, you know, in their contracts. And that's the other thing. It's like you can't sign these people to long-term contracts. So you got to give them a lot of money up front. Yeah. So uh, I can see some complications with that, but it's still a bummer. Yeah. Probably like pretty sweet to see more Tales from the Dark Side. Right. I'd really see more Tales from the Crypt. Fuck me. Did you watch Tales from the Crypt like all the way through its run? No. The last few seasons really sucked. Really? Yeah, because it's not, they weren't. Let's see, that's, that's the story. They weren't doing it through um, in America, or they weren't doing it through HBO anymore. Like some British production company bought it. Oh, really? Yeah. And so that's where the quality just really took a shit. Um, so. But. Oh well. Oh well, say la vie. Say la vie. Don't look your back, drop all the nonsense for the south tomorrow. Before they face the sponsor strings, you want to dream. Beware of slander, Beware. So, Clive Barker, who you guys would know from, uh, um, the uh, shit. Uh, yeah. The fucking prequel to Digging Up the Marrow. The movie that everybody said Digging Up the Marrow they thought. Oh, uh, Nightbreed. There right? you go. Yeah, Nightbreed, of course. Uh, um, yeah, so Hellraiser, Nightbreed, you know, has its qualities best known from for. Um, he is partnering up with. Uh, Machinima. We agree that's how they say it. I believe so. Okay. Um, which is a WB run company, uh, but like web based. Um, you would probably know them from um, the Mortal Kombat Legacy series, which was fucking badass. It was fucking badass. Um, uh, so he is teaming up with Machinima to create a web series based on creepy pasta pasta creepy pasta uh, characters and, and stories um, now creepy pasta probably sounds familiar to you um, because that's where Slenderman originated and apparently been drowned which is not a story I was familiar with still not right I, th- I looked it up and I, th- I think what the story is, or maybe this is a different character, I could be wrong, but this ghost lives within a cartridge of Majora's Mask. Okay. <laughs> How that came about, I don't know. Um, but anyway, Slenderman is, of course, the uh, fictional character that was created by a person. Fictional character. That uh, apparently told two little girls to kill their school uh, and told another girl to burn her house down. Right. Um, now, smart people listening, no, it's nonsense. Um, yeah, I, I'm wondering if this is going to cause any kind of uproar. I don't know. I mean, if, if people are going to, you know, be against it because of those instances, it's hard to say. I mean, there, there. I assume there is the potential that it could cause more. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, maybe, maybe these fucking kids that are just insane, maybe it'll bring them down to reality a little bit, seeing these characters in something that's clearly fictional. 
Bu ne aşırı? Abla. Bir kişinin o kez bekliyoruz. They need Ben Affleck to explain that to them. They don't need Ben Affleck for anything. Nobody needs Ben Affleck for anything. Um, so this is a live action web series um, based on the legends originating on creepypasta.com. There's no real word on what capacity Clive Barker is going to be in, whether he's just like consulting or if he's going to be a writer and or director or a producer or what, but he is involved in some way. Um, so seeing these presumably like maybe origin stories, I guess, for Slenderman and you know, other creepypasta characters could be pretty cool. I don't know if there's going to be an origin story for Slender Man, isn't he supposed to be, like, eternal? Okay, yeah. Could, so it'll probably just be more, like, stories involving him. Yeah, it could be. Hopefully uh, they don't do a story where he tells people to burn things or something. <laughs> that may be a little tasteless. Yeah, no tact. No tact! Um, no premiere date announced yet, but... Uh, I assume this is going to be on Machinima's YouTube channel? I have to assume, probably, yeah. Um... But, yeah, if we hear more about it, we will be sure to let you know. And, uh... Look out! <laughs> Slenderman! Here comes the Slenderman! We were going to review Unfriended, yeah. but due to scheduling conflicts, we could not do so. Uh, but it turns out we won't have to wait long for Unfriended 2. <laughs> Refriended. <laughs> or something. Uh, according to BloodyDisgusting.com, <laughs> Unfriended, then Refriended, and then Unfriended, unfriended again. again. <laughs> no, that's the third one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, according to BladeDiscussing.com, the sequel is already in the works to be written by Nelson Greaves, the writer of the first one. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Unfriended is a movie set entirely on the computer screen of its main characters. Unfriended centers on six friends getting together on Skype one year after a classmate killed herself. As it turns out, they each played a part in her suicide, and when the dead girl's account joins the chat, they start getting knocked off one by one. I'm, I mean, I know we have to watch this. I'm not sold on the fact that it's going to be any good. I'm not either. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we just put movies on the schedule because they're new and they're, you know, very talked about and we feel like we need to join the conversation. Yeah. This is one of those, but I think we're, we're both um, not exactly expecting much. Right. Is, is MTV involved in this in some capacity? Not to my knowledge. Okay. It just looks like an MTV movie. It, you know, it kind of does. Yeah. Now that you mention it. I, mean, I really just, I can't stand movies. Teenagers. They're, teenagers are the worst. They are the worst. <laughs> I didn't even like teenagers when I was one. <laughs> this is true. So, so yeah, um, you know, we, don't, we haven't seen the first, so we can't really report on if it needs a sequel. But it's worth getting one, whether we want it or not. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, like, how much carryover there's going to be, because it does say they start getting knocked off one by one. Is there one lone survivor that's going to carry over, or are we just going to get like the same fucking story with new teenagers? Who knows? Maybe it could be like the crow, where you know, when the crow, like, 
the crow. Keeps bringing people back to life to exact vengeance. <laughs> it's just gonna be so stupid like that. <laughs> just brings all of them, all of them back back to life. Or like, because it says the dead girl's account starts popping up, so just all their accounts just pop up. Right. All the dead people's accounts. Well, I mean, you know, and there's it's just no... a dead man's party on Skype. You know, there's no shortage of teens that were bullied to the point of why they commit suicide. So I imagine there could be another one. This is true. Um, anyway, that's happening, so deal with it. Favorite movie, according to Taylor. <laughs> I swear to God, that when we first started hanging out, fucking almost twelve years ago, if you can believe that. Oh my God. Um, that you were like all about Starship Troopers. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I swear, I don't know. But it's just that's in my memory for some reason. <laughs> I mean, I've never like hated Starship Troopers. But I've never been like, oh, dude, you got fucking Starship Troopers. Let's watch that. I, I mean, I don't think it was like, dude, let's watch Starship Troopers. It's like telling me to watch Starship Troopers yesterday. Yeah, let's fucking watch it again. <laughs> Not like that. But it was just like, like I'd be like, oh my god, Starship Troopers is so fucking stupid. And you'd be like, no, it's so good. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but I swear to god it was it you. It must have been something else. Maybe it was your shitty old friend. It's probably my cousin. <laughs> Um, so Starship Troopers uh, is being remade slash rebooted. Tony is so fucking excited. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and it might be, it possibly might be a TV series, not a feature film. Um, according to producer Neil H. Moritz, um, he said uh, we're developing it. We've been actually talking about it. Or, sorry, we've either God damn it, we've actually been talking about it either doing it as a feature or doing it as a television show so we'll see and uh, he told that to hit flicks fix excuse me um, did, does it really call for this? I mean they made like three sequels to it was that all? I thought there was like seven <laughs> it's probably, it felt like there were so many yeah. I know Casper uh, Van Dien came back for like the, the last one of course he did what else was he gonna do fucking general or something what else was he doing at the time <laughs> couldn't go back and play Sinbad again <laughs> the um, comedian yeah him. was he wearing something made of windbreaker <laughs> <laughs> um, the original film which came out in 1997 followed Johnny Rico yeah he lived in Buenos Aires uh, yeah, I believe that Casper Van Dien is Brazilian. Sure, yeah. Totally. Um, wait, is that Brazilian? Um, the Argentina. Argentinian. My complete lack of knowledge of geography is on display right now. <laughs> Hold on. Siri, where is Buenos Aires? Nope, that's not what I said. <laughs> what it come up with? Uh, 
Siri, what is size? What is size? Yeah. Where is Buenos Aires? I couldn't find any places matching Buenos Aires. Okay, Google. Where is Buenos Aires? Here is a map of Buenos Aires, Argentina. Argentina. Where is Buenos Aires? You keep saying it. I didn't find any is that what I'm saying? Buenos Aires? Mine came up with Buenos Aires, but still brought it up. So. Fuck you, Siri. God damn it. Anyway. So, Argentina. Argentina. He's still not Argentinian. Or is it Argentinian? Argentinian. Argentinian. Okay. Um, regardless, <laughs> he, uh, he fought wave after wave of alien bugs from the planet Clendathu. Uh, and also starred Denise Richards. Uh, Dina Meyer and Neil Patrick Neil Patrick Harris and Michael Ironside and Jake Busey and his 20 pounds of teeth. <laughs> Jake Busey's the best thing about every movie he's in, by the way. True. Um, I just hope that he's in this. I mean, I don't think he's doing anything important. He blew himself up on Justified. I'm trying Spoiler to think, I'm trying to think of a Jake Busey movie where he wasn't the best part. The identity, he was the best part. Tom Katz, he was the best part. <laughs> Not hard to do. <laughs> Let's be honest on that one. Yeah. Oh, you showed up the fat kid from Stand By Me. What do you do? <laughs> and Sharon Elizabeth, though, in her prime. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a hard one. She kept the clothes and on. That's though. what she said. No, oh, well, she. Sorry, that was my offhand. <laughs> Sorry. That's my heavy hand. Tony's <laughs> got a hand like a fucking skillet. <laughs> Very dense. <laughs> You're very dense. <laughs> um, that's probably enough on Starship Troopers. I guess. I, yeah. We just went off on tangents about how we met and Buenos Aires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. I must admit, I can't explain any of these dogs racing through my brain. It's true. Remakes, one of the most uh, cult hits. That's not a real sentence. Nope. <laughs> You're missing some words there. <laughs> I, um, anyways, The Howling is being remade according to Bloody Disgusting. <laughs> not even trying to get it. You know what I'm looking at. <laughs> Phenomenon, The Howling, is being remade, according to BloodyDisgusting.com. The rights were purchased by Imaji Entertainment to be the first in a series of films based upon well-known film properties. Yeah. I'm not sure if that means a series of Howling movies all based upon well-known film properties, like The Howling 2, The Phantom Menace, or something like <laughs> I think it's a fair bet to think no. <laughs> But you don't know for sure, do you? I guess not. Definitely not Phantom Menace, because Dennis, you know, Dennis. Dennis owns it. <laughs> you know Dennis. Dennis won't give it up. Like, Whoa, wait a minute, that sounded... <laughs> Disney owns it, so... Dennis Disney. 
<laughs> Walt's bastard sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, the original Howling was directed by Joe Dante, who was, of course, the director of Gremlins, Twilight Zone, the movie Burying the X, which is an upcoming movie. Uh, it was released in 1981 and spawned seven different sequels. That's too many sequels. Uh, unless you're fucking... Jason, Star Wars. Either Jason or Star Wars. <laughs> unless you're Dennis Walker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and one of them was about kangaroos. Yeah, like... Where kangaroos? Yeah, I don't remember which one it was, but it's the Howling 50, <laughs> the marsupials. Yeah. So that means you had fucking... Outback were animals of some sort or another. Were marsupials. Yep. Uh, sticking shit in their soggy pouches. In their pockets. <laughs> no. Were there like were joeys that would pop out? I don't remember. <laughs> I think I probably didn't even acknowledge it as like, like what was going on when I was watching it. Maybe I was drunk. I don't know. <laughs> I think you would have to be. Right. So look look forward to Drunken Cinema Marsupials. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what have we got? Um, but no, there will be the Howling to Strangeland because Imagi Entertainment has acquired the rights to the D. Snyder classic. Oh boy! <laughs> Can't wait for this. Uh, in case you're unaware, Strangeland is the story of Carlton Hendricks, aka Captain Howdy a pierced and tattooed sadist who trolls the internet for naive teens, luring them to his home to torture and violate them. One of his victims is a daughter of police detective Mike Gage, which leads him to get caught. He is sent to an asylum, but is released soon after while being stalked by Gage, knowing Captain Howdy will strike again. Dee Snyder is attached to the remake to reprise his role as Captain Howdy. And so is Robert England. I don't know or remember what role he played, but he's going to be coming back. So it makes me wonder, is this going to be a remake? Or a or sequel? sequel? Yeah. I sequel? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. That'd be really just this movie warrant. Anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you're a big fan of Strangeland or The Howling, then look forward to upcoming remakes from Imagi Entertainment. But probably not. (laughs) Okay, so as we mentioned before, the moment you've been eagerly waiting for. <laughs> With bated breath. Uh, Lionsgate is remaking Cube. Which, of course, it's Lionsgate. Right. Um, because apparently this is some kind of classic in some circle somewhere. Uh, apparently, like, everyone in my high school, or at least my friends, fucking loved it. They looked at fuck horses, too. No! <laughs> I did not know those people. <laughs> Or just the one guy, actually. Just the one guy. You know, nobody from Eden Claw is ever going to live that joke down. Oh, I trust me, I know. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so they're going to use the original setup of seven strangers trapped in a giant cube-like structure. 
it a cube or not? <laughs> How is it cube-like? Yeah. It's either a three-dimensional square, or it is... It's slightly rectangular. <laughs> that would make it uh, what? parallelogram? Sure. Geometry. Not good at that either. Took it twice. <laughs> the second time, just because I needed to fill in. <laughs> they let me take it twice for some reason. <laughs> All right. Uh, the remake, which is going to be titled, cleverly titled, Cube. Why? If it's a remake, why not Cube? I don't know. It wasn't Cube the third one? I think that was Cube Cubed. <laughs> um, like, I think it was like Cube and then like the... Right. The three. Well, maybe, was, am I thinking of maybe Alien 3? Alien 3 Cubed? Well, like Alien swear, Cubed? I could swear, like, if you see, like, the, the stylized title, like, Alien 3, that says Alien, and then a little 3, like, it's Cubed. I don't, I don't think so. No. But I do think the Cube 3 had, like... The, hold on, was there a Cube 3? Uh... Was it just Cube, Cube 2, and then Cube oh, 0? Oh, then Cube 0, yeah, Cube, was cube, cool. cube 3 was Cube 0. Okay, right. so yeah. Okay, okay, so... Well, they, they should just make a sequel, then. Call it Cubed. They should. God, do we have to uh, write... The Alien 3, uh, the 3 is smaller. It's not really raised. No. Like, the, the top is the same level, but the, the 3 is smaller. Okay. Well, <clears throat> uh, yeah, make, just make a sequel. Call it Cubed, because it's the third movie. It's like, do we have to write this shit for them? Probably. Blindscape. <laughs> Pay us now! <laughs> Um, it's described as a sci-fi survival thriller about artificial intelligence, humanity, and the birth of a new digital race. Um, oh, by the way, robots. Terminator. Not Terminator. It's Terminator. <laughs> like that progression of thought. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Made total sense. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's being directed by Saman Kesh and written by Philip Cawthorn. So, if you're all about cube, bro, fucking check this out. I'm I'm looking at Gawthorn and Kesh's IMDb pages as we speak. Um, Gawthorn wrote two episodes of EastEnders. Uh, that's really all I got for him. Cash mm-hmm. uh, directed Cinnamon Chasers. Don't know what that is. <laughs> Don't know that one. Uh, and two shorts called Placebo. Placebo Too Many Friends and Placebo Loud Like Love. Well, looks like you guys have some fun to look forward to. <laughs> so, uh, two of my high school friends... Look what you've done. So in the ongoing abomination that the Amityville franchise has turned into... What a shit show. Yeah, like, as if Amityville Dollhouse wasn't the worst in the franchise. I didn't see that one. Yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> uh, they was were... that a cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> Scooby-Doo was in it. 
they've been trying to reboot the franchise for a while now. Originally, it was going to be called the Amityville Tapes, and it was going to be found footage. They scrapped that idea, and they were just going to call it Amityville. And then they decided that subtitles are cool, so they were going to call it Amityville The Awakening. Uh, there was actually a trailer for it, and then that got pulled. The movie went through some, some reshoots, and it's now titled Amityville The Reawakening. Because they have reawakened it from uh, production hell, I guess. Presumably, the reawakening would have to be preceded by an awakening. In theory. In theory, communism works. Right. In theory. There doesn't appear to be a whole lot of logic working here. Right. <laughs> uh, this is going to be officially rated R, written and produced by Daniel Ferens, the writer of Halloween 6. That's the curse of Michael Myers, for those of you keeping score at home. Not very good. And Casey LaScala from fucking Grind, which is the best movie ever. <laughs> yeah, as we said before, if you haven't seen Grind, go out to Blockbuster <laughs> and pick it up. Because the copy is going to be there. <laughs> go to Blockbuster. That was the, the first time I saw it. I read it from Blockbuster. Really? Yep. <laughs> uh, first time I saw it was at your place. <laughs> We were watching it on the floor because I think we didn't have a couch anymore. That sounds like something I would do. Oh, you know what? <clears throat> I think it was when you and your girlfriend were living with someone else and he moved out and took the couch. Mm. I think that's what it was. That sounds like something that would happen. I don't even know. I just remember hearing it in the series. Yeah, probably. Uh, this is going to be directed mm-hmm. by Frank Calhoun the director of the Maniac remake, which is pretty good. I didn't care for it. Well, you gave it a decent score, though. Not, like, it was a okay. Or a five or something. It was only in the seat. With excitement. Right. That was a cheering one. <laughs> Go, yeah, fucking kill it! <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't remember, Amityville, the Amityville tapes, the reawakening of awakening whatever. The retapes. Is about Belle, her little sister, and her comatose twin brother who move into a new house with their single mother, Joan, in order to save money to help pay for her brother's expensive health care. But when strange phenomena begin to occur in the house, including the miraculous recovery of her brother, Belle begins to suspect her mother isn't telling her everything and soon realizes they've just moved into the infamous Amityville house. Now, we've discussed this before, because I'm pretty sure we read this exact description verbatim. <clears throat> How do you not know you're moving into the Amityville house? It's pretty popular. You know yeah, what it looks like exactly. It's got a it's got a trademark look. I mean, they changed the windows. They don't have those they, eye shaped. They're square stuff. windows. Now. Yeah, and it looks stupid. But it does look stupid. It looks like they don't fit the house. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know the house. You know what it looks like. Yeah. It's like your place on Ocean Avenue. Right. Like the yellow card song. Yeah, that. It's about this house. No, it isn't. You don't know. <laughs> You weren't there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, unless you're some, well, she probably is going to be done with it. Probably. Well, if 
you're a big fan of the Amityville franchise, then you should probably stay away from this. Yeah, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> um, and if you are excited about this, then go watch the trailer. You won't be anymore, because <laughs> it looks dreadful. And if you are still excited, go put your head underwater. <laughs> go make out with a shotgun. <laughs> Too far? I just don't. I don't know that we should be encouraging. Encouraging. Damn it. One. I don't know that we should be encouraging suicide. <laughs> okay. Well, then just go away. Ooh. Kick rocks. <laughs> go pound sand. Go poop in your fist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the one. Nailed it. Uh, okay, so that's going to be all for horror business on the remains. Did you receive that? No. Okay. I wasn't paying attention. <clears throat> um, Five Nights at Freddy 4 is now going to be a thing. Um, still haven't played any of these games, but I don't get it. <laughs> I played one of the demos and it was boring. Like, that's kind I, of I, couldn't, I, I couldn't figure out what to do, and the next thing I knew, I was dead. <laughs> Did you know why you were dead? Um, all I know is, like, I shined a flashlight in front of me, and there was a bear thing there, and then it said, demo. That so, sounds like the most difficult game ever. I assume you killed me. <laughs> that sounds more difficult than fucking the Ninja Turtles game on Nintendo. Like, I was looking at all these different rooms, and I was trying to figure out, like, there has to be a puzzle or something I need to solve, and I couldn't find anything, and the next thing I knew, there was a bear in front of me. Okay. So, um, this game was announced via Five Nights at Freddy's website. It's actually the number five and the at symbol F dot horse. Dot horse? Yep. That's a thing now. <laughs> okay. There's a Walmart dot horse, and it's just a picture of a horse in front of a Walmart. <laughs> That's the whole website. Oh, man, I gotta see this. Hold on. We're putting the show on. <laughs> Walmart. Uh, not Walmart. <laughs> Walmart Valderrama. <laughs> Dot horse. <laughs> Walmart. Dot horse. <laughs> Why? Why not? <laughs> He's like, hey guys. <laughs> Going to Walmart. Horsesofwalmart.com. <laughs> this is awesome. I wonder if there are any other awesome horse sets. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, there's an extension for everything. Like we could we could probably have like great plot podcast stuff shit. <laughs> probably. Um that one, that one's not sending the right message, though. <laughs> so yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's 4 is coming out Halloween. <laughs> right, this is supposed to be a quick one. Yeah. You got distracted by horses. I did. <laughs> that happens. You want to make an Eden joke, I know you do right now, too. That one would have so bad. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, anime fans will be happy to hear that 
the show Death Note is being being adapted into a live-action movie to be directed by Adam Wingard, who is, of course, one half of the team behind Your Next and The Guest and the upcoming The Woods. Yep. Uh, But his partner in crime, Simon Barrett, is not attached to Death Note. It will instead be written by Jeremy Slater, the writer of Fantastic Four. Trouble in Paradise. They were so good together! together. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Death Note is the story that centers on a student who discovers a supernatural notebook that allows him to kill anyone by writing the victim's name. That's fucked up. (laughs) I wonder if he's writing a letter to his mom or something. Well, this like this makes me think of all those kids in school that like make fucking hit lists. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what this is. Pretty much, yeah. Um, as the student is tracked by a reclusive police officer, a cat and mouse game ensues. All right. I'd like to see how the cops can prove that one. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the, this creature from this? There's a creature in it. Yeah. Look it up. It's fucking creepy as shit, especially in like a live action one. Because I saw like what appeared to be like still from the movie, and like this live action, live action creature is behind it. It's fucking terrifying. Oh, right. Are you looking at a cartoon or the Well, it looks like a live action Japanese movie. Right. But yeah, he kind of looks like Hades from Hercules. Yeah, except like. He might actually do it. Yeah. Like, like, with, my James like, like with crazy eyes. <laughs> like he looks like a mix of Hades and the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the person. Of course, if he, if he was James, voiced by James Woods, <laughs> he might be not as threatening. Right. You've got James Woods. Bum, bum. Uh, Damien is a show... Are we done with that one? Yep. Okay, Damien is a show. Damien was the name of my cousin's Cabin Patch Kid. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> um, based on, Damien's a show based on The Omen. Um, it uh, tells a story of, or it's a, yeah, tells a story of the adult life of Damien Thorne, uh, played by Bradley James. Um, the mysterious child from the 1976 film was a grown-up, seemingly unaware of the satanic forces around him. Haunted by his past, Damien must now come to terms with, the tr- with his true destiny, that he is the Antichrist, the most feared man throughout the ages. Now the news is that we originally announced this was going to be on a lifetime, which seemed weird. Work from him, right. uh, but now it's been, being moved to a much more appropriate location on A&E that we paired up with. It's Motel. Baton Motel. Go away, Baton! <clears throat> and the return to. to I keep forgetting Oh, yeah, with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Jeremy Sister. Just Sister. Yeah, the French one was terrible, so I haven't bothered with being like, I don't know. Americans tend to make things that are a little more interesting than French people, in general. Yeah, because they're less party. Yeah. So maybe it's better. I don't know. I just haven't. I've seen like the previews and it just looks like the same shit. It, it does. Um, it looks like things because I, I think even the um, I believe that uh, does kind of pick up 
but taking a long time to get there. I like how the description was like, this is how the French do zombies, because then I'm like, well, then the French do zombies wrong. Yeah, they suck at zombies. Um, anyway, so, yeah, this is going to be... Uh, moving to A&E, this is now getting uh, a boost in your episode order. It was originally 6, now it's going to be 12, so, so that's double for those at home. For those of you that don't know math, yeah. math is hard. Like me, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, so how much do you know where the satanic forces first around him? Yeah, no, not around him. Within him. Yeah, because he, he is the satanic. Right. He is he's the antichrist. He's the satan. Yeah, he is spawn of the, the devil. Yeah. We're the devils! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go. Uh, Elizabeth Rodriguez is joining Fear the Walking Dead. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. <laughs> Spicy. Um, right. Full of racist. It's rather racist. It's, a, it, it's, it's for an effect. <laughs> It's like a punctuation. Sure. We need a maraca for a Mexican person. That's you don't think that's a little. No, racist. it's like uh, like you see in like um, like westerns or actually probably more commonly things making fun of westerns. It's like you see somebody walk into a bar and just like you get a maraca. All right. And like a whip snap, a crack. Whip snap. What's this crack? I take. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Rodriguez <coughs> you Fear the Walking Dead if you don't know who she is uh, she is best known for her role on Orange is the New Black and she also did a short stint on Grimm it is unknown at this time who she will be playing since there are no characters uh, to base this on because this is not based on any kind of comic this is just an all new show Yep. Uh, the pilot has already been filmed so presumably she will not be in that unless they decide to Digitally insert her in or something. Okay. And uh, Fear the Walking Dead is going to premiere this summer, so it's it's happening. Still a bad name. Still a bad name. The Walking Dead Los Angeles would have been better. It's still not great, but it's better. Yeah! <laughs> uh, have you seen the title card for this? Yes. So bad. It's... It, it just looks like they took the Walking Dead title card and slapped the word fear on top and then put the in tiny little letters. Right. And, it, I mean, it looks like an advertisement for the Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like the title card to a show. Right. Yeah. And so that's it. That's it for horror business. That is for it for horror business. Um, so, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is... Um, Sister Fibrosis Awareness Month. I want to remind you again that we will have t-shirts available on our shop. Please go check those out. Please purchase one if you are so inclined. Um, and again, check out the link that we have on our webpage to me. Uh, my, it, now, I said this is a, a tribute page for my brother. This is actually a Cystic Fibrosis Foundation based page. So it, it's actually, it's legit, don't worry. <laughs> I don't want to think you just, you know, don't to us to our website. It's not. <laughs> I mean, you can look at the link. It says cff.org. Um, but please take that link, or if you feel more comfortable, just go to cff.org. Please make a donation. Uh, whatever you can give is, is greatly appreciated. Um, 
Anyway, so uh, we have a very special, awesome interview ahead of us. Um, uh, yeah, this for Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month, we interviewed someone who is a very strong advocate for cystic fibrosis awareness. He, um, I mean, you'll hear in the interview, he talks a lot about the, the different things that he does in order to raise money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, he is best known, not for his advocacy, but for his rapping, for his musical career, as well as a voice actor who you may have heard on Aqua Teen Hunger Force or um, C-Lab 2020 or one episode of Archer. Yeah, I think it was the pilot, actually. Oh, okay. He played a guy who died in the first episode. Ah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he is uh, MC Chris, the one and only. So let's have a listen to that. Well, my name is MC. I'm like no other. A short size, high pitch, white skin brother. And when I say white, do I don't mean pink? I'm a sister, as white as white. I ain't want to step into the sun. Burst in the flames, like a human torch. No lies. Hey guys, this is Taylor of Terror and Skeletoni, and we are here with a very special guest. He is a rapper and a voice actor and a cystic fibrosis awareness advocate. Uh, it's MC Chris. How are you, Chris? I'm very well. Thank you for having me today. It's it's an honor. I think the honor is all ours. Definitely. <laughs> well, the honor is some of it's mine. I mean, don't don't be greedy. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, um, to start off, I want to talk to you a little bit about horror, since this is a horror podcast. Uh, you've been known to rap about zombies and ghosts and Twin Peaks. So uh, what? Yeah. What, what? how big of a horror fan are you? Well, you know, I, I love horror. I don't know if I'm as big a horror fan as you are. I know that um, my wife and I will walk into a horror movie if we have like an extra some extra time during the day we'll just walk into a movie and we, if we don't know anything about it um she loves it maybe a little bit more than I do and so I'm always down to do something she likes but you know I think the last time we walked in we just saw Mama without knowing anything about it and we had a great time and um but you know I, I've seen all the great horror films I love Universal Monsters um, I love old stuff like that. I love new stuff. I love foreign stuff. Um, you know, I love any kind of good movie, but, um, you know, I think horror is a lot more fun because your expectations are lowered because you don't expect much in terms of acting or budget and stuff like that. And it kind of releases you from being too harsh a critic. And so you can probably, you're more likely to have a better time if you go see a horror film, which is why it's kind of great to be a moviegoer these days because there are so many. And um, and I pretty much every time I see a horror movie, I usually like it. It's very rare if we if we turn it off right away. Right. It's it's nice to hear you say that because I feel like nowadays horror fans have become a little jaded, and they kind of ex- oh really yeah it kind of seems that way. And it's like you know um, especially when uh, studios kind of catch wind of that, they think oh well you know these horror fans they want these big budget you know blockbusters, and it's like no, we just want something simple that's going to scare us, you know? Yeah, it's very true that, like, uh, a cheap movie can be more effective than something that's huge. Um, but, you know, I'll love 
I love big budget horror, but one of my favorite horror series is the Paranormal Activity movies. You know, I I love that they have built a whole universe. There's a huge story there, and it's fun to put those pieces together. And and we love those. Like every time they come out, we I think we love the more the one we just saw more than the one we saw before it. So I love that series. I can't wait for the new one to come out. Right. Yeah. God, forget when that's coming out. Probably is it October. I even like the marked ones. Really? That sets yes, you apart I'm from the one all. guy that likes the Mark <laughs> Cool. Um, so why don't you give us like a little bit of your, your background, I mean, as far as the, kind of what led up to the career you have now? Um, well, you know, I think I loved hip-hop in high school. I grew up in a very uh, Caucasian location in um, suburbs of Chicago. And it was a very white place. Um, people did listen to hip-hop, but it was more like they listened to Beastie Boys. And you didn't really hear that much else. And um, I guess it was just another way I, you know, I another thing I used to be different. Because um, I definitely was trying to be, like, as weird and, and different from everybody as I possibly could be. <laughs> uh, my brothers, I had older brothers. They all listened to different kinds of music. And so everything was kind of brought into the house including things like Public Enemy and De La Soul. And those are the first bands that I heard. And making mixtapes and listening to this stuff and driving around my town um, in Illinois, I started to memorize this stuff and I was kind of teaching myself how to rap without ever knowing that it would become my career. And um, as I got older, I started to meet musicians and, and jam with them and start to freestyle and and then I moved to New York. I met people that recorded music and started recording songs and and slowly like built up a a character and and um, a style and and just kept doing it. And so it got better because I just kept at it. And um, and you know I worked for Adult Swim for a while and as an animator and an actor and a writer and and my songs then got put on TV and that kind of started a a whole other chapter of me actually um, connecting with a whole audience out there that was really eager to hear what I was doing. Um, and then I left Adult Swim, started touring, and the places were packed. People wanted to see this, this show, which was, you know, crazy, because it just had been something that I had done in solitude and for fun to entertain myself. Mm-hmm. And then to find out that all these other people were ready to hear rap songs about Star Wars was awesome. <laughs> so um, this is actually my 10th year of um, not being an adult swim and touring as MC Chris, and um, it's just been a great ride, and, and it's just been an awesome opportunity. Awesome. So, uh, you know, you're talking about growing up listening to hip-hop, and uh, who would you say kind of uh, inspired you most, maybe had like, the most effect on the style you have now? Well, you know, there are a lot of irreverent bands um, like Ween and Weird Al Yankovic. They might be giants. Reggie and the Full Effect bands that um, played any genre were kind of tongue-in-cheek, or very tongue-in-cheek. They were okay with being funny and not taking things so seriously. Rap is a very, very serious thing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my one complaint about rap nowadays is it's not funny at all. Right. And... Um, when the rap that I listened to growing up and when I was a teenager was hilarious and very clever. It was all about wordplay and, and skits and stuff like that. And so 
um, the lighter side of hip-hop definitely inspired me. And then bands that also um, were all about genre jumping from one genre to the next and doing all different kinds of things, but trying to maintain a level of quality definitely inspired me. Um, you mentioned skits, and it's it's if you go through the skits of all your albums, it's kind of like one giant concept. It's just this ongoing story. It's a huge. It's a huge epic. Yeah. Yeah, you've you've been killed, sent to hell, come back as a zombie. You've and now in, in your new one, you're fighting ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it sounds like you're going to space next. Um, I'm not going to space. Um, that will hopefully be the last. Skits, series of skits that I do is, but we'll go to space at the very, very end. When I'm in space, that's when you know things are winding down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, you know, I was raised Catholic, and so there was a lot of heaven and hell growing up, and um, and also there was, you know, the assassinations of Tupac and Biggie right before I started rapping, and so I kind of created this whole rap story of my manager assassinating me and then me having this whole huge journey that takes place over albums going through different uh, possibilities in the afterlife, going to heaven, going to hell, um, and then at the very end I become a ghost, and um, and at the end of the most recent album, I uh, become a superhero. Um, and so I think... You know, growing up with those themes, it was just something I wanted to explore. But we're also making fun of movies like Running Man, and which our our part that takes place in hell. And so we're just, uh, you know, it's kind of whatever I see, whatever I'm experiencing, I'll turn that into part of the story. Um, but now there's there's not going to be so much afterlife stuff. He's going to be a superhero in the next album, which is all um, Marvel themed, and um, and then I know what happens after that which I won't spoil, um, but we're going to do something that's very Batman-esque uh, after I'm a superhero. So um, nice. the next album is going to be commenting on the state of comics and, and epic events, um, and, um, you know, when Marvel will relaunch or DC will do something like the New 52 and how the fans respond to something like that. So that's what the new album is going to be about. Nice. Uh, any any other, like, side mixtapes like how you put out friends that was all batman themed is this gonna be anything else like that coming out yeah foes will come out um before the the next album the full length and foes is gonna be all batman villains um so i'll be writing about batman villains this year doing a sequel to my kids album um actually hold on there's a fire truck going by um but the i'm having a kid in a couple of weeks I'm having my first child Congratulations. so I have a feeling that's going to affect thank you so much I have a feeling that's going to affect how um, how we do things in the future um, or how what kind of kid songs I write in the future so we gotta get the baby out of the way and then and then we'll be back in action so the album should hopefully be coming out a little bit at more of a steady clip as the year progresses cool Sweet. Um, so as far as your work with, with Cystic Fibrosis and the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, how did all that come about? Um, my nephew was born with Cystic Fibrosis, and so we started um, doing eBay sales. I had a lot of nerd junk that has started to take over my apartment because um, I tour so much. Like I guess the way I relaxed on tour is to go into a Target and buy all the Star Wars stuff. 
<laughs> um, and so that just comes from me being a kid who had to have like all the toys and went crazy about it was probably a little spoiled <laughs> definitely spoiled and um, so I just had this build up of toys and stuff in my apartment I started selling it to my fans and um, and then we raised the money um, when we're on tour too we have a little bucket and everyone throws in a little bit of money and I talk about it during my live show a little bit every live show I talk about it and we've raised over $150,000 since my nephew was born Um, so that may not seem like a huge amount um, but we're doing it all in increments of like $2 and $10 so it's actually taken a lot of work and it's a huge achievement and it's cool to kind of put my whole fan base to work and do something that's um, you know charity based and positive and and you know it feels good for someone to um, do something good and when they win an item in my eBay sales I have the whole bag full of like extra stuff and um, and you know it's just fun to reward people for making the right choice you know right yeah yeah um, I am kind of on the level with uh, six fibros too um, I have a or had a brother who recently passed away um uh from cystic fibrosis so oh my condolences thank you I'm very so much sorry to hear it yeah it's uh it's been a, a big part of my life for as long as i can remember um and uh you know this this interview we're doing now we're going to be airing it in may which of course is cystic fibrosis awareness month um, and uh, we're going to be doing kind of a whole month of cystic fibrosis things on the show, and I'm um, going to be trying to raise a little bit of money. And um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, I'm uh, happy to hear it, and I'm, and I'm sorry to hear about your situation, but it's great that you're getting the word out there. It's definitely not a um, a popular disease like AIDS or cancer, right? And um, and so you know, anyone that says anything about it is awesome. It's great. It's, I'm amazed that so many people already know about it that there are even multiple musicians uh, talking about it so um, it's awesome that you're doing that yeah I mean you know when um, you know uh, Obama gave his uh, State of the Union address and specifically mentioned cystic fibrosis as one of the diseases that America as, as a whole needs to really try to attack and, and, and fund uh, fund research and, and stuff like that that was kind of a, a, a breath the vibe I get the life I get from Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is that something is going to happen in our lifetime, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we're going to see that with other diseases. So it almost feels like um, the work that we do is not in vain, which is very inspiring and um, definitely wants me to have as many sales and talk about it as much as I possibly can. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I know my my brother. He did a lot. Uh, he I mean, he volunteered himself to do a lot of uh, you know research and trials and and uh put himself put his you know his already compromised body through a lot just in the name of finding a cure and uh you know i I guess i kind of felt like you know because he can't do that anymore that it was almost kind of my job to try and step up and in the only way that i could was to help you know help fund that financially so um, you know, well, that's awesome. That's awesome that he did that, and it's awesome that you keep the fight alive. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if if you don't mind, maybe tell us a little bit about your your nephew and kind of what what that's been like for 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 yourself. Well, I don't talk about him too much because um, his parents want to maintain his anonymity. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
you know, so I think that, uh, you know, what I can say is that he's been doing great and, um, you know, he hasn't really had any complications yet and, and he's just been having a very normal childhood. He's just, he just saw Star Wars for the first time. Nice. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to keep things very normal for him and, and, um, give him lots of Legos and make sure he's a happy kid and he's enjoying life and, um, you know, so that's, that's that's all I can really say about it. But uh, he's been doing just fine, and there haven't really been any issues uh, as of yet. And so we're very thankful for that. Yeah, that's that's always good to hear that you know, because so many so many children they don't you know they don't make it to ten you know, so it's for them to mm-hmm. for those those lucky few to be able to make it into you know you know their, their teens or twenties or you know older. That's it's it's really well. You know, I tour the whole country, and I tour the whole country, and people come up to me all the time and and say, "I'm 25, or I'm 30, or I'm 35, or I know someone that's this age and that has CF." And so I hear lots of success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear people come up to me and say that they lost somebody that was special to them to the CF, but I also hear people saying that um, a lot of people have gone past what uh, they were expected to. Uh, do you know expected to achieve lifespan wise and um, which is awesome so I think I think there's no one way it happens and and definitely the new drugs uh, that are being uh, unveiled are helping certain sects of the uh, cystic fibrosis population which is great hopefully they can cover everybody sooner than later yeah definitely uh, speaking of touring are you planning on doing any touring soon well, I don't have any plans to do any touring right now. Um, this is the first year in 10 years that I have not toured. Um, so I think what I'm going to be doing this year is just starting my family and relocating and uh, putting out a couple albums, and then the touring should resume in 2016. Um, it might resume at the end of the year, um, but I'm trying to keep that from happening and just try to stay home and record as much as I can before we head out again in 2016. So um, we'll be taking a break this year, um, but I can't wait to get back out. I already miss everybody. I miss working, and and um, but hopefully we'll be back together again, making fools of ourselves. you got to make sure you come to Seattle. <laughs> oh, yeah, every time. I love Seattle. Cool. Um, so one thing i got to ask, I came across on IMDb the other day, and it, it said that, you wrote Say No More, Monet More for the Empire Records soundtrack. Is that true? Not true. Not true. Darn it. A lot of misinformation about me online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got pretty giddy when he saw that. <laughs> um, that was not me, unfortunately. I would have loved to have been a part of the effort Empire Records um, experience, but sadly I was just a viewer. Well, that's a, that's a little disappointing, but... <laughs> um, so what's the status of the MC Chris cartoon? The MC Chris cartoon is, um, you know, we talked about the skits earlier. It's a continuation of the skits. It's part of the same story. It had always been my dream to turn the skits into a cartoon. And, um, and I had raised money on Kickstarter. My fans and I had raised, like, about $60,000, and I had added a bunch of money of my own to the production we made it with Titmouse, who makes Venture Brothers and Metapocalypse. And um, we shut it around to a couple networks. Nobody really bit. But I never really had 
uh, representation, and I didn't sit down with everybody um, and pitch it to everybody. I really just kind of pitched it to three people and then decided to go back to making music. Um, it's something that I haven't given up on. I think about it every day. And um, once I relocate, um, trying to resuscitate that project is something that I plan on doing. It might be um, a music video. It might be a trailer. It might be a continuation of the story. It might get totally redesigned. I'm not sure. But um, it's something that I haven't given up on. And I definitely would like to figure out a way to combine my animation experience and, you know, my current career as rapper. Yeah, We'll I'd... see what happens. But I haven't given up on it. That's good to hear because I know a lot of people really want to see it. I want to see it too. I think um, <laughs> we're starting to see we're starting to see a lot of things that are similar to it. So I think it's um, a perfect time for it to be a part of the landscape. And um, I'm excited to tell the story, which is very epic in scale, as are most of my uh, stories. And um, you know, I'd like to share with everyone what's going on inside my head. And so we'll see if I can do that. If not, it might just be something that you experience in uh, in record form and anim- in audio form, because um, animation is very, very expensive. But it's something I definitely want to I want to do and I want to complete because I feel like what we've made so far is good, but it's not exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, you know, it was more of like a rough animation, like an animatic. So I would like to have something that was complete and finished, and then move on to something else. You know. Cool. Um, well, I think that's about all we have for you. Unless, Tony, did you have anything else? No, I'm all, I'm all tapped out. So. <laughs> There's no Duke questions? If you want to talk about Duke, we can talk about Duke. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I was expecting a lot of Duke questions, but uh, no. But, you know, I I love Duke. We just saw it recently. It scared the crap out of us. Just another one of those cheap uh, horror films from another country that are awesome. You know, like uh, Let the Right One In and Control Hunter, and um, I saw one where they're hunting Bigfoot. I forget what it's called. Is that exists? Um, but say it again. Exists. Maybe I'm not, I don't remember. Or it could be Willow Creek. I love foreign. I love the foreign horror that's coming out right now. It's really awesome, and I look forward to whatever's coming up next. Yeah, you know, Baba Duke. Like we, we reviewed it on the show not too long ago, and. Uh, you know, Taylor really liked it, and you know, it seems like the whole world really liked it. And I just, yeah, I didn't get it. It just, I mean, not that I didn't understand the movie, I just didn't get the the thrill. It just really did nothing for me. So I feel kind of like the odd well, man I out. Think it, I think the reason it, the reason it really did so well for my wife and I is that we have a kid coming. So I think, you know, just being a parent, a lot of it is about fear. And, and you know fear of what might happen and fear of something going wrong and um, I think it really tapped into that emotion so that's why that. it was so, uh, such a good movie for us or I should say such a horrible experience for us but <laughs> I guess that's what that's the best case scenario for horror I think it had a very old school feel it kind of brought back the feeling of older movies like The Exorcist and uh, Rosemary's Baby yeah, I, and like it, that it made me think of those those one location horror films like you said The Exorcist or um, Rosemary's Baby and uh, even Evil Dead stuff like that where it's kind of one location and I love stuff like that where you're trapped Uh, that's my favorite cool any other horror movies you're looking forward to Um, well I brought up Paranormal Activity um, and whatever is going to happen with that Um, you know we tried to watch Annabelle and I think we turned it off I guess that's going to be like 
going to become the Chucky series or something. It'll be it'll be cool to see them reboot Chucky. I think I saw the one where um, the most recent Chucky that I think everybody was raving about, and I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great, but um, I definitely enjoyed it. It was nice to see like the original guy um, who did Chucky be in it. Um, so I think I'm looking forward to more Chucky. And uh, you know, lately I've been into you know sci-fi horror like The Thing and Alien watched all the alien movies um so i'm looking forward to more aliens um although chappie didn't get really good reviews so i'm kind of concerned now about the meal uh i don't know how to say his last name blow camp blom camp i'm not sure uh see his version of aliens i don't know how good that's going to be but i look forward to more aliens um prometheus 2 um i look forward to it which is being directed by the true detective director i love stephen king i love the shining i wrote a song about the shining on my last album um i would love to make a stephen king album i i read stephen king all the time so um i love that stuff i so support I think that going to be a new new it movie um two of them actually yes there's gonna be two of them there's another stephen king in it. oh yeah um the november 22nd 1963 i think it's called with uh, james franco um i love that book Really, I didn't know about that. Where guy goes back in time, he goes back in time and tries to prevent the JFK assassination. That's another Stephen King. I think that's going to be on Hulu or Yahoo, one of these internet uh, streaming um, services. Oh, sweet. Um, but I don't know. I love that stuff. I love one of the one of the movies I love recently the most was Attack the Block. Um, and I have n- I don't know what's going on with that director. Or I think his name is Joe Cornish. I think he might be working on like a Tin Tin sequel or something. Hmm. But I look forward to him making horror again. I look forward to Sam Raimi making more horror. I hope he does because his horror is so much better than his Wizard of Oz <laughs> stuff, whatever that is. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's about it. That's all I can think of right now. Cool. Um. All right, well, I guess we'll let you go. Uh, do you want to go ahead? Well, and... It was great talking to you guys. Thank oh, you so was... much for having me. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for coming on. It uh, it was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much nice, for... nice to talk about horror. <laughs> it's always fun. Yeah, and... and uh, are, you yeah. Guys, are you guys Mortal Kombat fans? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah do you we, know we... about the Jason? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm an even bigger Very Jason fan. So. Yeah, <laughs> one of my roadies loves... Uh, he loves horror and so he would always be talking about stuff like crazy horror like Serbian film and stuff <laughs> um, when we'd be on the road and he loved Jason and Freddy and I think he's more of a Jason fan than Freddy so good man he was definitely stoked about the Mortal Kombat Jason announcement and uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys are too yeah definitely there uh, should just be a whole Jason video game bring that back oh there actually there is a movie out right now called Evolve where Thing a bunch of got you can be the monster and versus four players trying to kill you, which sounds cool. Um, have Maybe that's something that's coming out. I'm not sure. Have, have you heard Bruce Campbell wants to make an Expendables of Horror? Expendables of Horror? Yeah. That would be fun. I think isn't isn't he going to be in the Evil Dead TV show? Yeah, yeah. he is. That's going to be cool. I hope. I don't know. Hopefully, they're not beating a dead horse. I definitely, you know, I like the reboot. Yeah. Um, it was I one of the better remakes. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, no, I, you know, more Bruce Campbell, he can do whatever he wants. That would be <laughs> awesome if he got a bunch of old people together and 
have them get killed. Usually it's just young people. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's getting a little boring. <laughs> it would be kind of funny to see like Kane Hodder and Robert Ingram and all these guys who are famous for killing people end up being the victims. <laughs> that would be a nice turn. That would be a nice turn of events. Um, that would be awesome. It should just expendables everything. Everything should be expendable. <laughs> That's how old people have something to do, you know. They're just like reading the newspaper and they're doing yogurt commercials and, you know, they should be out there getting murdered. There you go. <laughs> sure enough. Well, it was great to talk to you guys. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks for, you know, talking about your uh, your, your uh, CF work. That's, that was really touching and uh, very helpful to put that out there. So thank you very much for that. Well, it's never going to end. We're always going to be doing it, and um, you know, and if it, if it's by some for some reason, if we if our work is done, we'll move on to cancer, which is something I lost my father to recently. So right, we'll always be trying to find a way to do something good. And um, and thank you for doing your work on it. I really do appreciate it. And and let me know when this airs. Please write me an email. Let me know this airs. I can tell the fans. Certainly will. Will do. Uh, do you want to go ahead and tell people where they can find you online, your website and Twitter and all that? You can find me online at mcchris.com. You can uh, listen to a lot of my music. Um, and uh, there are links to my Facebook page. Facebook is where I am primarily, but I'm also on Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram. And, um, yeah, come check me out. Come listen to my stuff. A lot of it's for free. A lot of it's on YouTube. I in some amazing fan-made videos. Um, so yeah, come check it out. If you like Star Wars or um, being alone, nobody likes that. But if that's what your <laughs> life is like, then maybe you want to listen to my music. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. You too. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. I got that great pride. I got that great pride. I got that great pride. It's right off the highway. Wobbledy wobbledy drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I, I like that he uh, he kept the interview going. Yeah, we were like, okay, that's kind of all we got. He's like, oh, hey, no Babadu. <laughs> okay, we, yeah, we're we talking about Babadu. Yeah, I like <laughs> whatever you want to talk about, man. <laughs> you you want to hang out, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, real awesome guy. It's real, I mean, since maybe it's generic to say this, but really down to earth and. Um, it's real fun to talk to, and yeah, I was I was really surprised when he actually said yes, because I mean, you know, he's he's not a huge star by any means. He, right. He's still you know self produces his album stuff, but I've been a fan of his for years, mm-hmm. ever since MCP Pants. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know you fangirled out a little bit when you when you first locked it down. Yeah, I um, think uh, I think I just sent you an email that said, "Holy shit, MC Chris is on the Great Pop Podcast." <laughs> And this was hard to because we recorded this what, like two months ago, uh, just about yeah. So this has been hard to sit on. Yeah, and that's what she said. Hey, oh, got it too. <laughs> um, but no, it's hard. It's hard to keep quiet about it because uh, yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, in his uh, his uh, advocacy for CF awareness and uh, his. his auctions he does and um, his, his donation jar at all of his shows uh, and that's just that's awesome and he's such a great guy for that made me like him even more so um, yeah thanks again for being on the show Chris uh, we had a lot of fun talking to you 
Indeed. Yeah. Um, so, I guess that leaves us with uh, some reviews. Yes. Okay. And then we'll see the reviews. <laughs> I surprised you. <laughs> no, I was just waiting for the, the, the bump. Okay, so like we said earlier, we were originally supposed to do Unfriended uh, as well as Maggie, <clears throat> but due to scheduling conflicts, we did not get to do either of those. Yeah, because we originally recorded this, like we said, well, was it last Thursday? Yeah. And was, Maggie wasn't even out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Poor uh, planning on our part. Yeah, so we, we switched <laughs> to two movies that we actually didn't get a chance to do. We had them on our schedule. For earlier in the year, when we went on our, you good? All right, I'm good. <laughs> uh, we had them scheduled earlier in the year, and then, as you may know, we went on a hiatus. So these were the two movies that we skipped then. With the first one being the town that dreaded sundown. Grandma, do you remember anything about the murders? Your great-grandpa and your great-grandma lived in this house when it happened. He was the boogeyman, they said. Can't catch the boogeyman. Can't kill the boogeyman. You know, before that summer, everybody would leave their doors unlocked. And after the summer, you saw a stranger. You'd run the other way. And now, he's back. Blood killer. Just about everyone around here has got some kind of blood on their hands. He's gonna make the town pay for its sins. Some days turn out great. It's okay. The some days turn out right. It's alright. this movie since we were originally supposed to talk about it. Neither have I. Oh, well, this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see how much we remember. Hey. Let's take a trip down memory lane. <laughs> uh, 
this is the 2014 remake of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and it is the brainchild of Ryan Murphy of Glee fame. Right. Or American Horror Story, you know. Whichever you prefer. We're not going to tell you what to like. And Jason Tommy Blum <laughs> of Blumhouse Productions, which of course is the studio behind the Paranormal Activity and Insidious franchises. I've been thinking we should start writing him fan letters, but addressing them to Tommy Blum. <laughs> put Jason on the, on the envelope so it actually gets to him. Then in the letters, be like, Dear Tommy Blum. <laughs> I love that we're handwriting these. <laughs> yeah, sending them snail mail too. <laughs> he probably gets tons of email. It's it's nice to get a handwritten letter every once in a while, you know. Yeah, ask any woman. Okay. Right. Um, this film is the directorial debut of Alfonso Gomez Rejon, and it is written by Roberto Aguirre Sagasa. Why? Why are you saying it like that? Like what? You're not Latino. Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Is that okay? Is that... I think it's Aguirre. Now who's putting? That's Stank on it. Stank? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Sakaka. <laughs> That's not his name. Sakaka. <laughs> See? <laughs> um... Anyways, as I said, this is it's a kind of a I'm gonna uh, dub into Maracas just to show you what I mean. <laughs> um, it's kind of a remake, but it's also kind of a sequel. Honestly, I think it's more of a sequel. But then so many scenes are like shot for shot remake. It's true, but that kind of makes sense in a way. Right, but if I if like if the original came out in like 2012 and you watched them back to back, you'd be like, what the, why did I watch the second one? <laughs> True. Um, but see, it's confusing. It, this movie exists in a world where, I mean, obviously these phantom killings happen in, like, in real life. Yeah, the original uh, 1974, 1976 film is based on true events. Right. Um, back in the 40s, like right after World War II. That sounds right. Um, and in that movie, it's basically it's a, it's a fictionalization of those killings. But at the end of the original 1976 film, um, it shows a drive-in theater, I believe, of people watching the town that dreaded sundown, which is meta because they're watching the movie they just made. So it's it, it's confusing because technically it exists within the like our universe, not in the town that dreaded sundown universe. Right. They they exist in a world where there is a film, the town that dreaded sundown. Yes. So, and they screen it in Texarkana every year in, in the movie. I don't know if they do in real life. I doubt it. In, but, world. <laughs> in a world where they screen this movie. <laughs> um, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> so I did for it. <laughs> and there's a priest who comes through and tells them they should not be watching this movie 
and he's played by the late great Edward Herman. R.I.P. R.I.P. Mr. Moore. Why? Why go there? Played so many other characters. <laughs> because it's the Great Plot Podcast. <laughs> your your horror home for Gilmore Girls <laughs> information. God damn it. <laughs> Um, and he, it turns out that he's right because the phantom comes back and just starts killing fools. And then you find out it's Billy Zane. Indiscriminately. Billy Zane. It's the phantom. Oh, right. Yeah, purple suit. Yeah, no, I got it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what if he just took off the, the mask and he just had the... The Phantom costume on it. It just was <laughs> Billy Zane in the Phantom costume. And then he looks at the camera and he's like, get it? <laughs> um, yeah, and then from there, it, it's it's typical slasher fare. Um, most of the kill scenes are straight remakes, or straight shot for shot, from the original. And then you've got this pretty inept police force yeah. trying, trying to solve the crime, led by... Uh, Deputy Blumberg. Um, <laughs> Gary Cole. Deputy Tillman, played by Gary Cole. And but luckily, Lone Wolf Morales comes to save the day. <laughs> he, he's a Texas Ranger played by Anthony Anderson. Yeah, you know, the guy from uh, Blackish. Sure. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say Harold Kumar. Oh yeah. Let's burn this motherfucker down! Come on, Pookie! Um, yeah, he's he's a cop now. And not only a cop, a Texas Ranger. Right. That's like elite. After he burned down the White Castle. <laughs> Got his life together. Um, so yeah, he, uh, him, him and, what, 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 what did he decide for the guy's name was? Spark Club? I never figured out who Spark Club was. I don't know who you're talking about. In the original, there was a, uh, Spark Plug or something who was actually played by the director. Okay. Um, you did, like, say that the Phantom has started killing again, right? Yeah. Okay. I said he starts killing fools. Ah. Indiscriminately. Right. Clapped up. Oh, y'all. y'all. And, uh... Uh... What are the characters' names? Uh, Corey? No. Main character is Jamie. Jamie? Played by Allison Timlin. Uh-huh. And her nice boobies. Uh-huh. And they get their own credit line. Yep. Yep. Jamie's, oh, her, bo- oh. J- Jamie's boobies. Played by whatever you said is boobies. Right. Um, something Tillman? <laughs> Timlin. She, Jamie, and what's, what's the... Uh, Nick yeah. is, is the guy who is her ex-classmate who clearly has the hots for her. Yeah. And she does yeah, not... Yeah, big old nerd boner for She her. does not reciprocate. Yet. Mmm. Uh, uh. uh. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I apparently missed a scene. <laughs> There's a scene where he gives her oral and she does not reciprocate. That's that's the impression I'm getting. That's cold. That's the impression I'm getting from Johnny right now. <laughs> of his weird tongue acrobatics. <laughs> oh, fuck. 
indeed. But they, they go on a Scooby-Doo-like adventure where they're uh, Nancy Drew and one of the Hardy Boys yeah. trying to find out who this phantom is. The Hardy Boys. Two young witnesses with a knack for sobbing cries. <laughs> I have such a raging clue right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they go... They're trying to solve the case. So I'm trying to solve the caper. Since the cops are, like I said, pretty inept. Yeah, they're a bunch of Keystone cops, basically. Just yeah. A bunch of country bumpkins. They have no idea what they're doing. And, now, we, did you mention this takes place in Texarkana? Yes. But in the Arkansas, Arkansas side. side of Texarkana. Since it does lay on the border of Texas and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why Lone Wolf, he came in as a Texas Ranger. He kind of he doesn't necessarily have jurisdictions, but he, he just came in to help because the Texarkana police on the Arkansas side are fucking clueless. Um, yeah, so and they actually tell uh, Jamie that they, they found the guy, the and he I think they said he died in prison. Um, the original? Yeah. I don't remember that, but I mean, they basically said, like, the guy would have to be, like, over 100 years old. Yeah. Well, presumably. Um, he'd have to be, I mean, he'd have to be, like, at least 80, I would think. Yeah. <clears throat> so, they, they, they bring that point up. Yeah, they, they do say that they caught him already. I don't, I don't recall. I think I think he died in prison. Either he, I, I don't, I don't think he was killed, but I think they said that he he died in prison, and so maybe she's wrong. There, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of characters that suddenly come into the film like towards the end, and like by that time, I mean I'm gonna re- give you a little spoiler here that I was completely cashed out by then, <laughs> um, and like it's just they start bringing all these extra characters. You know, people that are you know, the sons of people and you know, people that knew people from way back when. I'm just like, I don't know who these fucking people are. Well, yeah, and it's like they try and unravel this mystery, and they talk about they talk to one guy um, named Charles Pierce Jr., who's played by Dennis O'Hare from American Horror Story, mm-hmm. and he tells them about there's this victim that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't get the the um, publication that the other victims get um, and so he his theory is is that the the new phantom is the grandson of this victim Hank McCready and so then they go off on this wild goose chase looking in for Hank McCready's grandson and uh, you know they're, they're running from the phantom the whole time and it's it's, it's really scooby do it really is and the Benny Hill songs playing the background. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. I had to play that band. And then there's a uh, bit of a cliffhanger ending. A bit. And, uh, it's, it's kind of stupid. And then it's over. Yeah. So what did you think? <laughs> um, I didn't care for it that much. Right. Some of the kill scenes were good. Um, 
Some of them were weird. Like the trombone scene. Yeah, that seemed forced. Yeah, that is a scene from the original, though. Yes, but even still. Um, yeah, it seems like that's just like one of those scenes where you're like, this will get him talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I felt like for for being a slasher, it there wasn't a lot of brutality in it. Not really. And, you know... When I see a slasher, I expect some imagination, and, like, the Phantom used a gun a lot of the time. Yeah. Now, granted, this movie takes place in kind of the real world, and so, obviously, using a gun is going to be the most effective way to kill someone. Sure. <laughs> um, provided you're a good shot, but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I know that they couldn't really change that because it was essentially based on things that were based in history. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that was kind of a, a downfall for me. In my eyes, that was kind of a downfall because it just wasn't that interesting. Like, I don't want to see a mass killer using a gun. It's boring. Yeah, I mean, I like, watch the news and see that. Yeah, like, any, you know, like, if. Think of like an action adventure movie where they use a lot of guns. Most of the people that they're shooting are these disposable characters. Yeah. They're, you know, fucking stormtroopers or something. And they, they, them getting picked off means nothing. So if you're trying to, you know, uh, relate to a character and they get shot, it's just. I don't know. In a, in a horror movie, it doesn't work. It's, it's, yeah, it's anticlimactic, it's boring. Um,. You gotta get in there. Yeah, I mean, you you watch a slasher, you expect to see some fucking blood and guts and some violence, you know? Yeah. Uh, and a gun's just too quick and clean. Exactly, yeah. And so that's why, like, people like, like Jason work so well, because it's a big fucking knife, basically. <laughs> he yeah. just hacks people up, like a butcher. And that's what makes it work. <clears throat> it's like, the, you know, the, the whole point of a horror movie is to invoke fear. Right. And... Getting shot is so quick that you don't even know what happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas if someone's coming at you with a fucking machete or a hatchet or something and swinging it at you, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Especially with some fucking big-ass guy that's over six feet tall and wearing a hockey mask. <laughs> right. Or like the Phantom wears a, a burlap sack on his head. Yeah. It's basically, you know, Jason 2. Or Jason in Friday the 13th 2. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So his look is, I mean, other than that, he looks like he wears a leather jacket and some Carhartts or something. His, he, his, he looks like a hillbilly. His look right? isn't great. No. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that was the, the real-life phantom. I don't know if he wore a pillowcase on his head like that. But. Yeah, I mean, it's, as far as we know, that was how we were We have no reason not to make that. <clears throat> um... So. But the, the whole mystery kids trying to solve this caper thing just felt stupid to me. It, it dragged on and it didn't. It just took them around in circles and it didn't seem really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, most slashers, there's going to be some kind of origin story where the kids are trying to figure out who this person is, but 
I feel like they just made it too much of this mystery as opposed to just finding out who it is or making it a legend or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that part was stupid. But they could have done that in a different way. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you see these movies that are based on real life serial killers, and they're all dramatized to a certain extent. Of course. Um, as far as how much this one was, because I know the, co- the original caught a lot of flack for dramatizing or exaggerating things that actually happened, because there were still people living in Texarkana that were around when these original killings happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just like if they're going to take liberties with what actually happened. It's like, extra liberties to make it interesting. Yeah. So, um, anything else to say? Um, not really. Like, the, the, the kill scenes were pretty good, although I felt like the effects could have been a little better. I just remember it being, like, a lot of red stained shirts. Yeah. Oh, and how did you feel? This is something you asked me in our first recording. How did you feel about not the very end, but kind of like pseudo ending. You find out who the killer is. Oh, that. Um, I thought it was stupid. Yeah. And I thought it was obvious. Yeah. And I saw that coming about quarter, somewhere between a quarter and halfway through the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess they, they kind of tried to twist it up a little bit, but it just. It's, it's like. One part I saw coming, the other part didn't make any sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. So, um... Are you for numbers? I am, yeah. Okay. Um, so, this... I mean, this movie wasn't just shit. I mean, it wasn't, like, awful. But it wasn't, like, good. I mean, it was not something that had I... I, I can't really say that. Um... I don't see myself watching this again. <laughs> not, not because I hate it or have some aversion against it. It's just I don't think it's worth my time. So, that being said, um, I think it's just kind of right down the middle, kind of putting in five. Okay. Um, for me, like I was disappointed because I thought that it started off really well. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed the first act, and then it just seemed to go downhill from there. I felt like it started high and just kept getting worse. The third act, I it I almost completely lost it, all my attention to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's like I was cashed out for the halfway point movie. Yeah, I was like ready to you know pick up my computer and go look up something else. <laughs> um, like I said, it's disappointing because it started really well. Mm-hmm. And I was excited for it while I was watching it, but it, then it just kept disappointing. So, um, uh, I'm teetering on a five, but I feel like I'm teetering farther backwards. So I guess I'm, I'll go four and a half. Okay. Okay, so our second movie is uh, 2014 Werewolf movie. The Howling. Nope, I'm Alan. Um, it is called Late Faces.
limit, 25. Easy. It reminds me of that place that we used to live in when I was a kid. Looks like we beat the movers here. I can't see you, but you, you smell beautiful. Did you just move next door? sign of this assailant. It's just an animal attack. This has happened before. Attacks like these happen all the time. Please, stay in your house, keep the doors closed until we sort this out, okay? Seems like such a nice place to live. People don't come to places like this to live. Come here to die. Can you make silver bullets? Yeah. Can you do silver shotgun shells? So this is a 2014 movie um, directed by Adrian Garcia. Bogliano. Bogliano, excuse me. Um, ah, Bogliano. Yeah, it, it was it was like very Hispanic name and then followed by a very Italian name. Yeah. I'm curious what his heritage is. <laughs> Maybe both. I don't know. Um, this is his first feature film in English, which is interesting. Um, stars uh, Nick DiBicci, who might be a name you recognize from Stakeland, which was a movie I did not like. Yeah, you can hear our review by going back to last year's Octoberama Week of the Vampire. Right. Um, a lot of it had to do with him. Pretty much the whole movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, he just, he wasn't a good actor. Um, wait. What are you referring to? I was talking about this. Oh, yes. He is like the main character. Well, he is. Most assuredly. Yes. <laughs> uh, but no, Stay Clan. The reason I didn't like it was oh, a whole lot of him. Because he's kind of a shit actor. Luckily, yeah. in this one, he plays Ambrose, who is a blind Vietnam War vet. So. Um, I've noticed that when you play a blind person, you don't have to act all that well. Because you just get to stare off in space and not show any emotion. Someone should tell that to Ben Affleck. Because he spent the entire time mm-hmm. he was supposed to be blind looking at people. Mm-hmm. Where you can see things. They kind of did the same thing in Daredevil. The world on fire. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar enough with that in the Daredevil comics to really kind of get into the pictures. Ben Affleck's a terrible actor, that's the point. He is. Yeah, that's, that's, 
that's a given. That's a constant in the universe. Um, so, Nick Dimitri plays Ambrose, a uh, blind Vietnam War veteran. Um, is, he's gotten to a point where, uh, I don't know, I guess he just can't manage the real world or something. <laughs> so his son moves him into a retirement community. Um, looks like his house is like a, like a duplex. Like the side by side, not the up top and bottom. Right. Just a little bit of um, Didn't know why. They didn't understand the concept back then, though. <laughs> like, why are these people's houses attached on right here? So, yeah, his son, played by Ethan Embry. Damn the man, save the umpire. Weird fucking casting. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, he can be in it, fine, but why him? Why not? Sure, whatever. Um, moves in there with his uh, guide dog shadow. Um, and, like, he pretty quickly alienates his um, neighbors. <laughs> like, this trio of old ladies trying to bring him some cupcakes or cookies or whatever they were. Um, He's like, are those sweets? The doctor said I can't eat sugar, but thanks anyway. <laughs> it's kind of a dick. He is, he's a real asshole. That's kind of like, uh, like his most defining feature, you know, aspect of his personality. Yeah. Um, and uh, then he, he's sure to take out his gun and show it around. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he really gets the whole neighborhood on edge pretty quickly. Um and nobody wants to be around him. Uh, they find it kind of threatening. Um, and the, like, was the first night that he was there, or second night maybe? It was right off the bat. I don't know if it was the first night, but it was it was quick. Yeah, like I'd say probably within the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, uh, there a werewolf attacks, and there's no secret. There's no Hesitation to show you exactly what it is. It, it's a werewolf. Yeah, there's no mystery behind it. Yeah, I mean, it's shown pretty clearly. Um, and it kills his neighbor and kills his guide dog. I think. It's, no, don't get had to. But it's it's amazing. He somehow manages to connect the dots and decide that it's a werewolf. I mean, it's, it's the logical, sure, logical step to take. Yeah, I mean, something, some kind of wild animal attacks you. Uh, it's well, yeah, and of course the blind guy is the one that's going to figure it out. Right. He's he, he's the one that connected the dots that it happens once a month on the full, or actually happens once a month. He doesn't really establish that it's a full moon right away. Somebody mentions that the night of the attack was a full moon. And so that's when he starts to connect the dots. It's a little too simple. This movie is written like a children's book. <laughs> or, let, me, let me be more fair. It's written like a young adult's novel. Yeah. Uh, very simple, by the numbers story. And it happens very quickly. And I think probably the biggest issue of the whole movie almost no werewolves. Yeah. You got like one at the beginning and one at the end, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and it's like, how do you fucking make a werewolf movie with no werewolves? Now, granted, 
the ones that were in there, and I think by the end of the movie there are three or four, and they did kind of look pretty cool, I think. Yeah? I wasn't a big fan of their faces. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I was not huge on their look. I appreciated the fact that they were practical effects. That's that's what I liked. I liked that it wasn't all CGI. But, you know, as opposed to a lot of werewolves, especially nowadays, when um, you, I mean, you see a, a werewolf, it's usually either big and like, like muscular, almost like a fucking bodybuilder, or it's really lean and, and lanky. Yeah. Like a, it's like more like a, like a coyote, like really emaciated looking. <clears throat> Those are typically the styles you see. This looked more like a guy wearing a fursuit. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and I wasn't huge on the face. Well, they didn't have the like elongated werewolf nose. Right. They they, they they're just kind of looked like a human face, but like the smile was kind of pulled back, and they had huge ears. They did. It reminded me a lot of uh, Thriller. Yeah. Um, but obviously not as good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. these werewolves, they look more like... They look a little Jim Henson-ish. A little bit, yeah. And, I don't know, I can... They have a slightly long nose, but it's not like a super long. It's not like a, like a wolf. Yeah. It, it looks more like a... Chihuahua or something? <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look like a chihuahua. <clears throat> Um, in fact, I'd, I'd say if there was a were chihuahua, that's what this, this would look like. Chihuahua? Chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> and this is really deceptive because there's a very like distinct wolf on the poster for the movie. Yeah. It's not what they look like at it's all. Not, but it's not a werewolf, it's just a wolf. Yeah, just, just a wolf. Um, yeah. So like I said, yeah, I appreciated that they were practical effects. It's brand you see that nowadays. But I would like to see something more convincing. Not just the guy who looks like a parachute. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when, when you first picked this movie, you told me that you had read that it had one of the best change scenes um, since American World to London. Yeah. Now that you've seen it, do you agree? No. Because I've seen this kind of transformation before and it's been done way better yeah it's i mean it's the kind where they pull the skin off like it's clothing mm -hmm. and then they just reveal the wolf underneath which makes me wonder how do they change back um they go and put the clothes <clears throat> back on pull the face up over like a hood um uh, you know or they just rip the wolf off in uh and shed layers i guess so. I, I, in um, oh, Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove, thank you. I, I forgot last time. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's how I do what you were talking yeah. about. In Hemlock Grove, uh, that's that's how they transform it. They kind of peel the skin off. And, mm -hmm. It's fucking gross. But how do they change back? See, if I'm remembering right, I think he does kind of like shed the wolf, too. So, yeah. Um... I think this one is better than Wolfcon, though. Mm -hmm. In the in fact that they're like 
I, okay, yeah, I'll agree with that. I'm not sure exactly sure why. I can't put my finger on it. I mean, maybe better acting and interesting story, I guess. I don't mean the movie itself. I just mean the transformation scene. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's 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 given. I mean, the same style. Same yeah, thing. I just thought this was executed better. Yeah. Although it didn't have a, a giant wolf cock. Yeah, it's just a, a giant fur dick explosion. Yeah. Um, Missed out on that. Damn. Darn. Uh, but yeah, I think if I had to play, as far as these kinds of transformations where the skin falls off, um, they like basically hatch from inside, um, probably Trick or Treat and Hemlock Grove would probably be my top two in that style. Um, this Close to the bottom. Yeah. Because a lot of the, for having such practical effects as far as the levels go, like the transformation of the CGI. Yeah. Didn't seem totally necessary. It seemed like it might have been easier just to do it practical. You would think. Um, anyway, the meat of the movie is is Ambrose like preparing for the next full moon so yeah. he, can, he can fight the werewolf. So he's like teaching himself to you know, do martial arts, and since he's a, a war veteran, he can take apart and put together a gun, even though he's blind. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, he did say at one point that he was uh, a weapons expert. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, I watched this movie recently. So. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of just like an hour-long Rocky montage. It really did seem that way, and you know, it, he kind of. I don't know, is befriend the right word? He kind of gets this camaraderie with the, with the local um, priest. Noonan! <laughs> Noonan! Uh, and he, he like, he's like a suspect that as, as one of the werewolves. Yes. Ambrose believes he might be the werewolf. Yes. And so, yeah, he kind of builds his friendship with him, sort of. Um, I don't know, and he's just kind of really, like I mentioned before, he really built this shitty, almost nervous relationship with all his neighbors. And really like, even the police force is kind of like, I mean, they're not like outwardly rude, rude to him, but just kind of blow him off a lot. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. Doesn't make a lot of friends because, like we said, he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he loses his, his cane and he starts using the shovel yeah. to walk around with. And it, people find that very intimidating. He gets kicked off the bus to church, right? And he gets a, a, a personal chauffeur to church because no one wants to be on the bus with him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he, he definitely doesn't endear himself to his neighbors or even his son. He really alienates his son because he's such a prick. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, I guess what, what's your general thought itself? Well, like you said, the biggest downside is that there's no werewolves. Mm -hmm. You got a werewolf at the end and a werewolf at the beginning, and the, the entire movie takes place in the, the you know, 28 days between that. Yeah. And it's just him preparing. I think they would have been better off spreading it out a little more and have him come to the conclusion after maybe three or four months. Right. So then you could have multiple werewolf attacks. You could have beefed up the middle of the movie a little more 
taken all those scenes of him preparing the fight and you could squish that into a smaller section and it still would have been just as successful. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's certain elements of, like, the, different werewolf, werewolf lore in different movies where, like, you can, like, there are werewolves can transform the day before and the day after the full moon as well. There you go. They could have done something like that, too. Yeah. Had a three-day span of different werewolves. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even just do that over a month. Then, you know, you have three days in the beginning, or, like, first half of the movie, and then, you know, maybe, like, middle part where he is doing kind of, like, this training thing. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, you got three more days. It, it, they could have uh, extended the, the, the fight between him and the werewolf over those three days, you know, where they both kind of wound each other, and then, but he, you know, the werewolf takes off into the woods or something, and he knows only he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's... Either of those ideas would have been much better. Yeah, we've been able to incorporate a lot more werewolf violence into it. The werewolf movie. <laughs> Um, aside from that, like, this would, I think this movie would have been played better, like, I think this movie could serve itself better had you taken out the werewolf elements completely, like, make, take out all the horror elements and make it more of a kind of golden years, end of life type movie. Yeah. I think it would have been better suited for that, just the story that it was based around. You know, an old guy, blind, he's, you know, nearing the end of his years, he's kind of alienated everybody he loves, alienates potential new friends. Like, take out all the werewolf elements and that's what you've got. And that would have been like a good, like, movie that you see with your wife if you're like 40 years old. I was going to say, that's, that doesn't sound like something I would want to watch. No, no, no not, definitely not, but like, it might be, like, like you say, a good date night movie or something. Well, what would have been really funny is if they had like not shown the first werewolf, just kept it more of a mystery, and then had him go through all this training, and then at the end, there's no werewolf. <laughs> but still... And he ends up just like killing some innocent person. And still refer to it as a werewolf movie. Yeah. <clears throat> because for 85 minutes, you would think there was a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the last 10, you find out there's not. Right. And he kills Tom Noonan. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I think I've said my piece. You? Uh, yeah, I can't think of any other... Any other points I want to make? Okay. So what do you, what do you say? Um, I think I'm going to give it a four. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines here. Uh, it, it, like I said, it would have been an okay movie had it had more werewolf. I mean, I sat down to watch a fucking werewolf movie, and it was no goddamn werewolf. So. Yeah. Um, and that really pissed me off, and that's just, that's, that's just a big no-no. I mean, don't market yourself as a certain kind of movie and have a total of maybe 15 minutes of that element. It's just, it's dumb. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, another example I'm thinking of is, like, Contracted. 
everyone refers to it as a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Nowhere does it claim to be a zombie movie. No. Like, I mean, when we talked to Eric Kingman, he referred to it as a zombie movie. Sure, yeah. But it wasn't advertised as a zombie movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, don't, don't sell me something that it isn't. I mean, it's, don't piss on my head and tell me I'm framing. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm probably along the same lines as you. Okie dokie. So, that's going to do it for this episode. It will indeed. Yeah. Hopefully this one comes out. <laughs> fucking better. Um, I'm going to fucking put my head in the oven. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because, you know, luckily the last episode when it fucked up, we had the first recording, as you guys heard, was absolute shit. But we had that to fall back on. This one we don't. So if this recording doesn't turn out, then you're not even hearing me say this. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck us. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, this is uh, the end of episode 36. <laughs> um, once again, please, please, please go check out uh, our website. Find the link to Cystic uh, Fibrosis Foundation. Please uh, donate whatever you can. Um, go to our shop, check out our CF Awareness Month shirts. Um, again, like Taylor said earlier, those are going to be available all like all year long. I'll probably probably like release a new one next year. Okay. Um, <clears throat> um, but we'll have we'll have those in our shop all year. Um, all the times. Yeah, all the, all the times. Uh, and our profit from those shirts. Uh, after you know, after, after our distributor gets paid, um, all those profits go directly to the CF Foundation. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure, please give a donation. Uh, anything helps. Um, just please help uh, raise awareness for CF. And uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, where else can you find us? Uh, the best way to find us is at greatplotpodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Google Plus under Great Plot Podcast, or on Twitter at Grave underscore Plot. We are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a rating and, and a comment, or maybe even just a rating, whatever. Just, just, just click the, the, the fifth star. Yeah. Even if you don't feel like typing anything out, just do that. The fifth one on the right. All, all the way to the right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's going to do it for us. Um, until next time, we're going to have another interview, hopefully. We're supposed to have done it already, but our interviewee is a uh, very busy man. But in continuing with our trend for CF Awareness Month, we're actually going to be interviewing Dr. Ron Gibson, who is the director of the Cystic Fibrosis Clinic at uh, Children's in Seattle, the Children's Hospital in Seattle. So, uh, really looking forward to talking to him. Um, he'll have all the, uh, you know, the lowdown stuff about CF as a disease and you know the state of uh, the state of things in, in that regard. So, uh, look for that, and um, we'll, uh, we'll catch you again here. Next week, I guess. Yeah. God, it's a busy month. 
Okay, so, as always, I am Skeleton. I think there's are over here! <laughs> this has been the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside.